Hare Krishna, welcome to episode 7 of uh, the Strengthening Foundation series and today's topic is the story of Srimati Tulsi Devi part 2. So this whole episode, I mean this whole story of Tulsi Devi's glories is described in the Brahma Vaivarta Puran and it, it spans 20 chapters. So yesterday we have covered 10 chapters and today the remaining 10. So before we go to the remaining 10, we will just recap so that we remember what we went through yesterday. Um, so in the first chapter, the appearance of Tulusi Devi. So Narad Muni asks how was Tulusi born and how did she become so chaste and how did she become so uh, famous. So Narayana starts his uh, uh, description that there was a Manu uh, Daksha Savarni, which is the ninth Manu, uh, which suggests that it might be in the previous day of Brahma or maybe the ninth Manu is already in existence now, but he is waiting for the time when he will become the ninth uh, next Manu, not the next, 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 now is the seventh Manu. And um, so Manu uh, Daksha Savarni's son is uh, uh, who? Uh, Dharma Savarni and Dharma Savarni's son is Vishnu Savarni, Vishnu Savarni's son is Raja Savarni. Raja Savarni's son, um, all of them until Raja Savarni are Vaishnavas and Daksha Savarni being even a partial expansion of uh, Vishnu. And Raja Savarni's son was Vrishadvaja, who was uh, a very staunch devotee of Lord Shiva and he was very much against Vaishnava uh, religion against the worship of Lord Vishnu and any other demigod also. He was staunch worshipper of Lord Shiva and Lord Shiva was very pleased with him and he even stayed in his house for three Divya Yugas and in that way the demigods were tolerating that because um, they were afraid of Lord Shiva's anger that if they would curse him then Lord Shiva would get angry and uh, that would mean a lot of trouble. So they were tolerating that, but ultimately Lord, I mean uh, Surya, he could not tolerate anymore. He cursed Vrishadvaja that he will lose all his prosperity and property. Um, then uh, Lord Shiva became very angry when he came to know of this and he started chasing him and Lord <coughs> Surya, he took, uh, uh, he went to Kashyapamani, his father and both of them went to Lord Brahma and Lord Brahma and together with Lord Brahma, they went to Vaikuntha. And uh, there Lord Vishnu has assured them that, no, no, Lord Shiva is uh, you know, very exalted, he will not do anything, you will no need to fear anything. And Lord Shiva also came there and um, Lord Shiva you know, glorified the Lord uh, Narayana and then um, he said, you know, this is what happened, um, that Surya has cursed my devotee. So what will become now? What will happen now? Now they have already taken shelter of you. Um, Surya and Brahma and Kashyapa. So, um, of course, they will be awarded with fearlessness. I cannot do anything to them because they have come into your shelter. But then what will happen to my devotee, Vrishadvaja? Then <laughs> Narayana said, my dear Shiva, you have, you have been here for half an hour. And in that time, 21 cycles of the four yugas, 21 Divya yugas have passed. And Vrishadvaja's name is uh, written off in history. And his son, uh, uh, who was that? Uh, Vrishadvaja's son was... Uh, let me see. Rishad, uh, Hamsadhvaja, I think Hamsadhvaja, he was also already, yeah, Hamsadhvaja, he also died. 
Vrishadvaja died, his son Hamsadvaja died and then Hamsadvaja had two sons, Dharmadvaja and Kushadvaja and uh, they performed a lot of austerities um, to please um, Goddess Lakshmi and Goddess Lakshmi was very pleased and they were benedicted by Lakshmi that she will become, uh, she will take birth for, I mean uh, as daughters of these two, uh, Dharmadvaja and Kushadvaja as a partial expansions in each, uh, for each of those uh, brothers. So actually Hamsadvaja, I mean uh, Vrishadvaja's son Hamsadvaja was also devoid of much luck because of Surya's curse and even his sons Dharma and Kushadvaja, they also did not have much luck. But because they worship Lakshmi, they regained and then they became powerful rulers again, mighty rulers. And after getting the Lakshmi curse, uh, Lakshmi's uh, blessings, Dharmadvaja and Kushadvaja, they both bore daughters, but not much information was there about what happened to Kushadvaja's daughter. But Dharmadvaja's daughter was Tulasi and she had incomparable beauty and that's why her name was Tulasi. Tula means uh, scale, you know, the, that which... You know, in the, the court of justice also there is a scale there. So, equality, uh, equal. Tula means equal. But Tulasi means there was, she is, uh, her beauty was incomparable. So, there she, therefore she was called Tulasi. So, in that way she was born. But immediately and, oh, yeah. So, Dharmadvaja's wife was Madhavi. And Madhavi born, uh, Madhavi bore Tulasi in her womb for 100 um, celestial years. So 100 or yeah 100 celestial years and then after that she was born and immediately after uh, taking birth she assumed a, like adult's body and then immediately went to the mountains to to the himalayas to practice meditation and she wanted she wanted uh, this is chapter 2 so she wanted a husband uh, lord narayana as a husband so she went to the himalayas and very very severe austerities for 100000 celestial years Badrinath, she went to actually Badrinath, 100,000 celestial years, which is like 36 million earth years. She did uh, unimaginable tapasya. For 30, I mean for 20,000 years, she was just eating fruits and um, uh, water. And then for the next 30,000 years, uh, she was only eating dry leaves that uh, fell from the tree. And then for the next 40,000 years, she was just breathing air. And then the last 10,000 years, she was not even breathing air and she stood on one leg. And all this, um, she was doing in addition with every summer, the, during the entire summer, she will surround herself with fires all around and under the scorching sun, she will do tapasya. And in the winter, she will go to the icy waters under the neck and do the tapasya. So in this way, very, very, very severe tapasya she did. And finally, Lord Brahma came and... Uh, offered her benediction, what do you want? She said, uh, I will not hide anything from you. I want uh, Narayana as my, uh, I mean Vishnu as my, I mean Narayana as my husband. Uh, I am Tulasi, I am a Jati Smara. I remember my previous life. I am, uh, you know, I was cursed by Radharani because I got very intimate with Krishna and she did not like it. She cursed me from Golok Vrindavan and I, she cursed me to become a human being. So, I came here and as Tulasi, but before I went, Krishna told me that you know you if you worship, if you do austerities, then um, uh, Brahma will give you benediction that you can get Lord Narana as your husband, who is my partial expansion, who is my expansion. Uh, 
So because of that order, I have done all this tapasya for 100,000 celestial years. And actually that um, really signifies uh, the dedication of Tulasi Maharani because ordinarily that is not possible in this world, not possible. Um, nobody, no woman can endure that kind of um, patience, but she did that. In fact, there is also, um, in fact, I forgot to, I think, show the verse yesterday that a devotee, and just like Rukmini also, when she prayed to Krishna, there was this verse. I don't know if I have shared this yesterday. This is the, from the 10th canto, 52nd chapter, 43rd verse, when she wrote a letter to Krishna to... Um, you know, come and kidnap her. So there, in that letter, she wrote that Yasya angri pankajarajasnapanam mahanto vanchantyumapati rivatma tamopahatyai yarhyam bujakshanalabheya bhavat prasadam jahyamasun vratakrishan shatajanmabhisyat jahyamasun vratakrishan Shatajanma Bhishyat means hundreds of, see, you'll see the translation. O lotus-eyed one, great souls like Lord Shiva hanker to bathe in the dust of your lotus feet and thereby destroy their ignorance. If I cannot obtain your mercy, I shall simply give up my vital force which will, be, which will have become weak from the severe penances I will perform. Then, after hundreds of lifetimes of endeavor, I may obtain your mercy. So, this is uh, in, in modern, I mean not modern, in this material world, there, there may be this kind of dialogues between, you know, uh, in ordinary lusty affairs, but they don't really mean it. If the situation is there, they, they actually cannot do it. But when Lakshmi Devi, Rukmini said this, that I will, uh, I will give up hundreds of lives, uh, if, that is, if that will what um, warrants uh, my association with you. If that is what can give me association with you, I am prepared to lose hundreds of lives in austerity. So, when she says that, she actually means it. So, Tulsi actually practically demonstrated it. So, she went out, went through all that. So, she proposed this. Then Brahma had another whole uh, different plan. So, he said, no, no, um, there is a, I, have, I want to tell you another thing that Sudama, he was also in Goloka. Uh, and then he also desired you. Um, but due to Radha's curse, Radharani's curse, he is also down here in this material world as a demon, Shankachuda, and he wants to marry you and he already, uh, you know, he has uh, done tapasya to get you as his wife. So you marry him and he is also very energetic, very, very youthful, beautiful uh, young man and uh, you marry him and after, <coughs> after uh, in the future, later on, by special arrangement of providence, you will be married to Lord Narayana and after that he will, be, he will curse you to become a plant and, therefore, and thereby you will become the most uh, exalted flowers, uh, flower and then um, Tulsi plant and then you will become more dear to the Lord Hari than his own life and in that way the whole world will, nobody's worship will be complete without your leaves. So in this way, uh, he's, uh, he suggested this and then she replied, actually, I have more attraction for Krishna than Vishnu. So, in fact, because Krishna asked me to um, perform austerities to get Lord Narayana as my husband, therefore, I, 
I, I agreed to it. But now it appears that from your blessing, I can get Krishna directly. Uh, because after becoming a tree, she will go back to Goloka and in fact uh, have intimate dealings with Krishna there. So then she she just said, actually that is my real, uh, that was my real um, uh, attraction to Krishna directly. And I was intimately dealing with Krishna and was interrupted and that longing has uh, allowed me to you know do this intense austerity. So, and then after her, um, uh, then... Uh, she said, I, then um, she said, I want only one benediction, that let my fear for Srimati Radharani go away. Then uh, Brahma gave, initiated her, initiated Tulsi into a Radha Mantra, 16-lettered Radha Mantra. And with that mantra, he asked and he gave her the, also the mode how to worship Radharani. And she did that for 12 years and she completely attained perfection in that. And after that, she was very happy. But as she slept on her bed and then, you know, she, her, the karma, the, the cupid uh, started acting on her and she became so increasingly lusty. <clears throat> she was having extraordinary symptoms of lust and she was very restless. Um, this is all by the will of providence. Mm. So then she was also dreaming about a very, uh, uh, you know, nicely dressed, smiling, jolly youth and that youth uh, happened to be actually... Um, this um, Shankachoda, um, nicely, sweetly talking to her and kissing her and all that. So, but, and then suddenly he would disappear in the dream and then she would become morose and then she will become happy and morose and like this. She was all um, overtaken by these feelings. And then the chapter 3, the birth of Shankachoda. The, so, this um, Kashipa was the son of uh, Marichi and therefore he was the grandson of Brahma. And Daksha gave him 13 uh, wives and among those wives was Danu and her sons, 40 sons are called Danavas. So, one of the sons, one of the most powerful sons is Viprachiti and Viprachiti's son was Dambha. <coughs> Dambha was <coughs> uh, self-controlled and he was a devotee of Lord Vishnu. But he did not have any son. <coughs> so, he wanted to do some austerity. So he went to the Pushkar forest and there he uh, tried to please uh, Lord Vishnu by, uh, <coughs> I think, uh, what is his, Jaigi Savya, I think his, um, no. No, not here. So anyway, Pushkar forest, he went severe austerities for 100,000 years. And at the end, and he was chanting the Krishna mantra, some Krishna mantra, he was practicing Japa. And for 100,000 years, and after that, a glow emanated from his body, from his head. And it became so bright and so hot that the entire heavenly planets, were they were scorched by the heat. <clears throat> and all of them were, I mean, uh, disturbed, agitated, what, what is going on, what is going on. They went to Lord Brahma, Lord Brahma went to Lord Shiva and Lord Shiva, all of them went to the Vaikuntha and they saw the splendor of the Vaikuntha hall, you know, the, the assembly hall, which was 8,000 miles in circumference, huge and incomparable beauty and then they all were overtaken by ecstatic emotions by seeing the opulence of the Lord. Then um, 
they presented to the Lord that this is the problem, you know, the, the <coughs> this uh, Dambha, I mean, we don't know what is going on or where this light is coming from. No, this is actually one of the Dhanavas, Dambha, who is my devotee, he wants a son, I will, I will settle it. Then the demigods were peaceful, they went back to their abodes and the Lord answered Dambha's austerity. He went there, he went down to him, what do you want? I want a son with four conditions. What is that? He should be your devotee, he should be um, invincible to the demigods and he should be the master of the three worlds and fourth one was um, powerful and so courageous son yeah, who will be your devotee, invincible to the demigods and conqueror of the three worlds. So these four conditions. So Lord Vishnu said, all right, you stop your austerity. Uh, then he gave them the blessing. Then um, Dambha returned home and then soon his wife became pregnant and she was glowing and the, in the whole inner, inner chambers, the whole room was glowing because of her glow, because she held a pure devotee. And that soul who entered the this devotee who entered the womb was actually Sudama from the Golok Vrindavan after having been cursed by the Radharani and he was Shankachuda actually. So then in due course, uh, she gave uh, birth to the son and uh, Dambha invited all the sages for the postnatal rites and um, later on when he grew up, uh, he was a, a delight of the family as he was growing up and when he grew up, he went to the Pushkar forest again where his father performed austerity and he went there and uh, his guru Jaigisavya gave him a mantra and with that mantra he worshipped Lord Brahma and um, then uh, Brahma you know came to him and what do you want? Then he said please make me invincible to the demigods and please allow me to marry Tulasi because he had this feeling in the spiritual world that he wanted, uh, he had an attraction for Tulasi. But because of Radharani, he did not make any advances because of fear of her. So that brought him here. Then Brahma said, so be it. And in fact, one of the devotees, I think, uh, who Prithviraj Prabhu or somebody was asking me uh, today in the WhatsApp, how come um, Sudha, Sudama had this uh, feeling of um, enjoying himself in the spiritual world? So, uh, of course, this is all the Lord's plan, Lord's Leela. But also another lesson for us is, even when we go to the spiritual world, if we desire sense gratification, we can come down. So that's how we all come down. That's why Prabhupada says we go back to Godhead. It means we are from there and we have to go back there. So uh, we can fall down from the spiritual world if we misuse our independence. So the moment, although honestly, actually later you will see that Sudama did not do anything wrong for Radharani to curse her. He was actually defending Krishna because Radharani was scolding Krishna and he could not take it. So he was defending Krishna, but she cursed him and she also felt bad about it. But anyway, the curse came to fruition. He had to go. For half a moment only, he, he went to the material world. So, you know, it, it, look, it doesn't match because uh, he did almost nothing wrong. But because he had this desire to enjoy, so he was given the chance. So... Krishna fulfills the desire of everyone. So, although this is, of course, this is all according to Krishna's plan because he wanted Tulsi. He wanted an easy way for the conditioned souls to approach him. So, he enacted this whole thing, you know, so that Tulsi will come and, you know, he becomes he becomes cursed and he becomes, a, you know, um, Shalagram Shila. 
so this whole whole uh, story goes but yeah so he, on the other side at the same time he is also teaching us that sense gratification no matter where we are is uh, will get us to this material world so <coughs> Uh, please make me invincible demigods and enable me to marry Tulsi. Brahma said, so be it. So then he gave him this amulet, Krishna's personal amulet called Sarva Mangalmaya. Sarva Mangalmaya means all auspiciousness. Uh, it is the most auspicious thing of all auspiciousness and whoever wears it will become the ruler, undisputed ruler of the universe. And he, he wore it and um, he, Brahma also said she is in Tulsi is in Badrikashram now you should go and marry her there according to Gandharva Vivaha Gandharva marriage Gandharva marriage means no special rights no nothing it is just the boy and girl decide and then without even ceremony they, they it consummates in uh, sexual union so he Brahma actually ordered them ordered him to marry her in that Gandharva Vivaha method so then chapter 4, Tulsi Devi tests King Shankachuda. So Shankachuda went to Badrikashram in a plane, in a golden plane, uh, jewel studded plane. And uh, as, she was, as he was coming, she was you know, bashful. She was very um, overtaken by you know, all uh, lusty feelings for him. Um, and she was very shy and very nervous at the first meeting. But then um, when he came down and sat with her and started talking to her, who are you, you know, whose daughter are you? Uh, why are you here alone in the forest? Then uh, she started testing him. She said, uh, why are you talking to me? I am the daughter of King uh, Dharmadvaja, Dharmadvaja, but um, uh, what, have, what business do you have talking to me? Because a virtuous man, he will never talk to a woman alone when she's, uh, when, so nobody is with her. So why are you talking to me? Go away, wherever you, can, you have come from. So, then she actually said, <laughs> all the character of the woman, how a woman is uh, um, a stumbling block in the path of spiritual advancement and how one should never trust her and everything, uh, how her heart is razor sharp, although her, she, ha- she has a smiling face but her heart is dirty and all these things. So then um, after she finished, then uh, Shankachuda told her, yes, uh, women in the mode of passion and ignorance, they, they are full of the qualities that you have mentioned. They are untrustworthy, they are unchaste, they are also um, um, always uh, wanting excessive sense gratification. In fact, she also said, although in front of the everybody she will act modest, but alone when he, she meets her lover, then she will swallow him up. You know, she was, she was very, very <coughs> aggressive in uh, sexual activities. So in this way, the mode of passion and ignorance uh, then Shankarachuda said, "Yes, the move, women and the mode of passion and ignorance are like this, but there are also examples, um, rare examples of uh, women in the mode of goodness and and known for their ex- uh, I mean exceptional chastity, like you know Savitri and um, you know Lakshmi herself, Radha, and you know of course he did not mention Sita there, but of course Sita is there, and all so many women you know he mentioned like that." <coughs> No. And he said, um, oh yes, uh, he, this is where he said it, that 
you know, all these examples of Shatarupa, Devahuti, Swadha, Swaha, Dakshina, Anasuya, Ganga, Diti, Aditi, Vedavati, etc. So in every Yuga there are these examples of uh, chaste and exemplary women and um, the heavenly prostitutes, the Apsaras are not uh, as chaste and they are not as uh, worthy of respect as these women who are excellent. So um, women in the mode of goodness are virtuous and pure. So in this way, um, you know, uh, and also he answered the question that why have you come to speak to me alone? So he said, yes, a virtuous man would never court another man's wife in either public or private, but I have come to you by Lord Brahma's command to marry you according to Gandharva rite. Then um, he introduced herself as Shankachuda and he also said, I am also Jati Smara just like you are. I also remember my previous uh, life. I was in Goloka as a cowherd boyfriend of Krishna, one of the eight principal cowherd boyfriends of Krishna. And I became attracted to you and uh, eventually I was cursed by uh, Radha, Radharani and then I became a demon here and uh, now I am here uh, by the Brahma's grace. So then uh, Tulasi accepted defeat and uh, she said, uh, you know, uh, I tried to test you, you know, and all these talks were going on. Then chapter 5, Brahma comes and says, I mean, come on, what, are, what, what is the use of these empty talks? Lust is written all over your faces. Just get married and get on with your, you know, lives. Don't act as if you are big scholars. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, he, they both quickly married according to Gandharva right. And um, they wandered around in various places. Sometimes beaches, sometimes mountains, sometimes caves, sometimes you know lakes, rivers, and everywhere they were going. And they offered each other's gifts and all. So in this way, they were enjoying themselves. And they lived for one Manmantra. One Manmantra is 71 times, uh, 71 cycles of the four Yugas, 71 Divya Yugas. So, for a very, very long time. So, if you calculate, I actually did a calculator on, the, on my phone. So, it came up to about 350,000 celestial years. So, she did austerities for 100,000 100, celestial years. And she lived with him for 350,000 celestial years. One Manmantra which translates uh, into, I mean, earth years as 71 times 4.32 million years. So, Lord Vishnu helps the demigods. <coughs> he disposes the gods of the realms. <coughs> so, Shankachoda, <coughs> during his period, he completely disposes the, I mean, demigods. He completely ruined their, he defeated them in battle and everything and they were roaming about like homeless beggars in the universe. <laughs> and they were very sad and at one point they were they grouped together they formed a group <coughs> that means they were all scattered <coughs> not only were they homeless beggars they were scattered all over the universe they're not even together <coughs> so it was a very pitiable condition so that was Sankashura's mistake uh, because uh, you should not encroach other people's lands for no reason if they are a Kshatriya let them rule as Kshatriyas just like Pandavas the the Krishna even said, at least give them five villages because they are Kshatriyas, they have to rule. So, at least give them five villages so that they can rule the five, five Pandavas. But he said, no, I will not give a land on which to, you can, you know, on which you can pierce a needle even. Then, okay, <coughs> war is the only next option. So, Shankachura also was like that. <coughs> he could have lived in his own kingdom and he would have, he could have just let the demigods live. But no. But this is all, this is why the demons and demigods always have fights. Because, the devatas never really encroach on the demons' properties, but 
the demons always try to encroach on the devata's properties. And whenever they do that, then they, when the powerful demon is there, then the demigods seek, seek shelter of, of the Lord and the Lord takes an incarnation and kills the demon and like that. Otherwise, it's just fight between themselves and they will settle it among themselves. So, and then they all united and you know went to Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma went to Lord Shiva and you know related to Shiva the details of the case and Shiva all of them went to uh, Vaikuntha. Oh yeah, so here actually is the, sorry, here is the description of the Vaikuntha and 16 gates they went through and then they saw this huge, and this is when they saw, not the earlier one, this is when they saw that huge 8,000 8, mile circumference assembly hall and with unlimited splendor <clears throat> and they said this is the problem now, this uh, Shankachoda is creating a problem in the universe and Lord Hari said, okay, uh, he will not die unless that amulet, the Sarva Mangalmaya he is wearing, that has to be taken away from him and his wife's chastity. You, you, I mean, Brahma, I think, also gave a uh, boon to uh, Shankachoda that he would not die unless his wife's chastity is violated. So, and the Sarva Mangalmaya amulet, as long as it is there with him, he will not die, he will not be defeated. <clears throat> so these two uh, things, are, these two blessings are protecting him. So I will take care of both of them, uh, his wife's chastity and the amulet. And he also described <coughs> actually who he was. So this uh, Shankachoda was uh, Sudama. He was one of the eight uh, cowherd boyfriends of uh, me in the form of Krishna. But uh, when I was enjoying with one gopi called Viraja, um, you know, Krishna, he was flirting with Viraja. And when we say Krishna is flirting, we cannot equate it to ordinary flirting like this because Krishna can enjoy everyone. He can enjoy other people's wives also. Because after all, Bhoktaram Yajnatapasam Sarvaloka Maheshwaram Suhridam Sarvabhutanam Gyatvamam Shanti Marichati. He is the husband of actually everyone. Uh, he is the Natha, he is the Pati of everyone. So, actually, everyone is supposed to serve him only. Everybody, everybody, we all are supposed to be enjoyed by Vishnu only or Krishna. There is no one else. So, if Krishna wants to enjoy with anyone, anyone, there shouldn't be any argument because he can do it. We can't because we don't possess them. Krishna, everybody is a property of Krishna. So, he can enjoy. So, he was flirting with this Gopi Viraja, but Radharani had her own uh, feelings. So, he, she, she heard one Gopi came and went and told her, you know, because uh, just like any woman would, you know, they are uh, eager to tell, uh, pass on this gossip news. So, similarly, same thing happens in uh, uh, Golok Vrindavan. But there is all full Chinmayana, Chinmayarasa. So, so the, the gopi went and one gopi went and told Radharani. And Radharani was very furious. Is this true? She actually went to check. And then it was actually true. Krishna was actually, you know, enjoying with her intimately. And she cursed the Viraja to become a river. And the Viraja became a river. And Krishna disappeared from the scene. And then uh, later on when Krishna was with Sudama and that time Radharani saw him and she severely chastised him. You know, what is this, you know, enjoying with this woman and this and that. And then <laughs> Krishna was, was silent and Sudama was, uh, Sudama could not take it anymore. And she, and he started shouting at her, no, 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 you cannot talk like this, you know, you are nonsense, you know, this, that. So then um, Radharani got angry. In front of Krishna, he, he shouted like that. 
so then um, she sent thousands of her attendants to stop him then he 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 pushed pushed them aside and then he still you know he was reproaching her scolding her for how she can talk to krishna like that then uh, radharani cursed him you become uh, you take a womb birth in the womb of a danavi a uh, demon woman then um, then sudama started crying and he looked at krishna and started crying that you know she he got cursed by radharani and then um, he bowed down to krishna and then he was leaving then uh, radharani also her heart melted at the time and then she felt very bad oh no 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 sudama don't go please don't go you know uh, you don't have to go then krishna um, consoled them no no and all the gopis and gopas all the cowherd boys everybody was started crying that he was going to leave then um, radharani also was crying and krishna consoled them no it is only half a moment he will come back have after having fulfilled the curse he will come back in half a moment he will be back but that half moment here is one manvantara one manvantara one 71 cycles of the four yugas so the relativity of time so now you may ask that earlier half an hour was 21 yuga cycles and here one half moment in the spiritual world was uh, 71 times uh, cycles of four yugas but uh, we have to understand that that 21 cycles was when they went to shwetadweep which was the vaikuntha in this in this universe so that is a different place than golok vrindavan which is in the spiritual world so there the time is again different so that half a moment was 71 cycles whereas here half an hour was only 21 cycles so all this relativity of time so anyway so and that's how shankachoda came and became this uh, demon so then uh, lord brahma and other demigods returned to their respective abodes and actually vishnu came down is that here yeah vishnu came down in the in the garb of an old brahmana and came to shankachuda he said um, i am a brahmana please uh, you know um, you know he, he i mean actually shankachuda was already very much um, favorably disposed to brahmanas he always gives charity to them so in that way he gave uh, charity uh, so the brahmana asked for charity he said what do you want no you promise me that you will give me what i ask then i will ask you what it is and he said okay, okay i will do that okay i want your amulet the sarvamangalamaya i want so in other words although he have cheated always it looks like vishnu cheats you know in the form of vamana or in the form of here in the form of this brahmana but all this cheating is spiritual he is never to be condemned for this so there is a unique position of lord vishnu because after all the sarvamangalamaya belongs to him only <laughs> so he is just asking his own thing back so even if he and he doesn't even need to ask he can just take everything he is called mrityu sarvaharas chaham i will i will take away everything from you at the time of death it belongs to me and i will take everything back at the time of death and you will be left with nothing so but because he is a devotee and so anyway this was a past time so he went as a brahmana and he asked the thing back the amulet and he gave without even hesitation uh it was not oh what will happen you know he did not as a duty that's the main thing <clears throat> as devotees it is very hard to imagine what will happen what is the what will what is the consequences of this and that but the best way to live life is just to do the right thing i mean doesn't matter what you know labha labha jaya jayao 
<coughs> it doesn't matter whether it is going to give gain or defeat or you know victory or whatever gain or loss it doesn't matter just do the duty whatever is right do it the result is up to krishna so he just gave without hesitation brahmana asked i should give that's me. that's it so he gave and that's how the sarvamangal my got lost from him um then narayana also gave actually before they left the demigods left the vaikuntham narayana also gave uh, his trident his special trishul which only narayana could um, uh, use and lord shiva could use none of the other demigods can even use it can even tolerate such uh, you know uh, effulgence and uh, power of that trident so he gave that to lord shiva and said you use this against shankachoda so now um lord shiva went down and he pitched a tent camp outside the this is chapter 7 so he pitched a tent outside the city of um, who shankachoda and he sent a messenger pushpadanta he he pitched up under a fig tree a holy fig tree um then uh, he sent pushpadanta his messenger the leader of the gandharvas to shankachoda and shankachoda i mean this uh, pushpadanta went into the city of shankachoda which was 40 miles in uh, width and 80 miles in length and it was incomparable city and his palace was spherical like a moon and radiant like a moon and then it was having seven moats of water and encircled by fire all around each moat so it was very difficult to enter for the enemy for but very very ina- i mean easily accessible to the friend so he <clears throat> came to the first doorkeeper i mean the guard he said uh, i am an ambassador of war i have come with a message and the um, the hideous looking face the guard was having was some you know very cruel face and then he he said all right he let him pass and like this he passed all seven and he went to the palace and then uh, he said um, you know lord shiva is here for war and uh, he said he has he is representing the demigods and either you give your kingdom <coughs> back to the demigods or <coughs> i mean their share of the kingdom back to the demigods you give them or you prepare for war what do you want shankachoda laughed and said you you better go back tomorrow i will go and meet lord shiva personally and talk to him then he went back and the next day uh, chapter 8 i think next then he went to meet lord shiva Uh, actually you know before he goes he consoles tulsi that you know the war is sta- going to start and then tulsi also becomes very agitated oh how is this you know this is a danger i had a bad dream also so i'm not sure of what is going to happen like this and he said no you know everything is temporary anyway just like the you know he gave different different examples of the sun in the you know in the midday and in the evening and the moon in the waxing moon and the waning moon you know and the sun in the summer season and winter season and uh, so many such examples where he said that he highlighted the impermanent uh, transient nature of the material world and asked her not to be very much uh, disturbed because anyway we both are actually eternal associates of krishna and radharani and anyway after this life you have to go back there alone uh, go back there only and we can again unite there as well i mean we will be there again so there is not really any separation so nothing to worry mm. she was consoled but again she was a little bit you know um disturbed and then he consoled her he told everything finally she was happy and the next day morning uh 
um, he prepares for war and at Brahma Muhurta he rose and then he did all his deity worship and everything, Mangalarati and everything. And then uh, he gave charities, 700,000 villages and 300,000 cities to the Brahmanas. And <coughs> he established his son Suchandra <coughs> as the acting king while he is away for war. And he prepared an um, amazing amount of um, battle uh, army. Some 30 million, um, you know, 100,000 elephants, uh, 300,000 horses, 100,000 elephants. Um, 10,000 10, chariots, three, 30 million archers, 30 million armed soldiers and 30 million trident holders readied themselves for battle. After counting his forces, the king appointed a Maharatha, an expert in science of warfare, a commander-in-chief, over 3 lakh Akshavhinis, like 300,000 Akshavhinis. And each Akshavhini has a, I mean, the division is so big. Each Akshavhini has 109,000 foot soldiers, 65,610 horses. 21,870 chariots and 21,870 elephants and that is one Akshavhini and three, Aksha, three such Akshavhinis, uh, 300,000 such Akshavhinis he prepared for battle. And to give a context, the Mahabharat, Pandavas had only seven and Kauravas had 11 Akshavhinis, so total only 18 Akshavhinis, but here 300,000, such huge, uh, such huge uh, um, army. And he ordered three Akshavhinis to just play the war drums, you know. And then Lord Shiva was, you know, at the Pushpabhadra river at Siddhashram and he was peacefully sitting and he looked like the overlord of the entire universe, perfectly able to, you know, um, completely destroy the entire universe. But at the same time, he was very peaceful and completely at peace with himself and, you know, completely serene and, you know, without any worries. And um, they have, they both had discussion. This was the tenth chapter. And uh, Lord Shiva suggested him, "Why you are a devotee? You are actually a, a beloved uh, cowherd boy, Sudama. And uh, you know, why are you engaging in this war? I mean, why, why don't you just give? And you should, as a devotee, you should, you should know that you, all these are not permanent. Uh, this thing, uh, we cannot own the, all this permanently. So why are you even worried about all this thing? Just give them back." Um, then he said even killing a Brahmana, the sin you would get by that is one sixteenth of the sin that you would get by creating a rift between your relatives and all. So he said, then uh, Shankachura said, I, he, he had full respect for Lord Shiva. At the same time he said, then why did uh, you know the Lord, uh, I mean the Lord Vishnu, you know, take away the kingdom of Bali Maharaj and you know, take away, you know, he, when the Asuras and the Devas, they churned the ocean and got the nectar. He gave it to only the demigods and not the Asuras. Why he is partial in this way and that way. So, of course, this was a weak argument because <laughs> the, the demons are always misusing and they are always not devotees of Krishna. Krishna is always favoring the devotees. Although he is equal to everyone. Samoham sarva bhuteshu named veshyostana priyaham. Ye bhajanti tumam bhaktya. Mai teshu teshu chapyaham. So, you know... Although he is impartial to everyone, those who are de his devotees, they, he's, he becomes transcendently partial to them. Because actually they take his mercy. So in this way, um, he asked these questions and then finally uh, he said, See Lord Shiva, you are, you are a great warrior. You are the undisputed warrior in this universe. And even if we lose to you, 
that's not a big thing for you because that's not a big um, you know glorious that i mean uh, win for you because you know we are anyway weak i am com- completely weak compared to you so even if you have one over or lesser four it's not a big deal you know you won't be as much glorified but if i win over you or oh, that will be real really big deal and on the other hand so even if you win it's you know it doesn't really add to your credit it's not a you know one more feather in your cap or something it's not a really big deal and even if you lose if we lose okay we were defeated by a more powerful warrior lord shiva after all supreme warrior and but if you lose the insult that you would face is unimaginable so whether you win or lose you're going to you're going to be a loser and lord shiva humbly said you know you know how how can i uh, you know uh, how how it is bad if i lose to you because you are a uh, eternal associate of the lord and also you are a son of a brahmana either way you are you are always superior to me so in this way there was perfect vaishnava um, feelings but at the same time the chivalry was there the warrior spirit in both of them but then lord shiva said anyway what is the use of talking these empty talks uh, either you give them the de- the give the demigods the kingdom or you prepare for war i am determined i am going to fight i'm going to i'm going to get this uh, demigods their due share of the kingdom shankarachara said all right then he got up from there bowed down to lord shiva got ready for war so this is where we begin wow already like 45 minutes into it okay so now this is the chapter 11 Shankachoda quickly got up bowed down to Lord Shiva and ascended his chariot and with his ministers Lord Shiva ordered his army to be ready immediately and Shankachoda did the same so both armies were re- getting ready musical instruments blared out formally announcing the start of war there was a great clamor along with the cries of the warriors then the fight be- between the demigods and demons began and both sides fought righteously Indra fought with Vrishaparvan Bhaskara the sun god with Viprachiti Nisakara the moon god with Dambha fire or agni with Gokarna Kuvera with Kalakeya and Vishwakarma with Maya uh, Mrityu the death god battled with Bhayamkara Yama with Shambara Vayu with Bala Varuna with Vikam Vikamka Buddha with uh, Dhritaprishtha Shani with Raktak Raktaksha and Jayanta with Ratnasara and Vasus with the groups of Varcha Varchesas the two Ashwini Kumaras with the two Deeptimans Nalakuvara with Dhuma and Dharma with uh, Durandhara Durandhara Mangala contended with contended with Ganakaksha Vaishvana with Shobhakara Manmatha with Pipita the 12 sun gods with Gokamukha Churna Khadga Dhumra Sham, Samhala Vishva and Palasa the 11 Rudras fought with the 11 terrible and powerful asuras Uh, mahamani fought with ugrachanda and others and nandishwara and the rest fought with the leading demons so in this way everybody was fighting each other lord shiva the goddess lord shiva the goddess kali and their son kartikeya encamped at the root of the holy fig tree they were camping and the other demons were fighting with the shankachoda's army king shankachoda adorned with gems and surrounded by millions of demons sat down on a beautiful jewel throne then a great battle ensued Many mystical and supernatural weapons were hurled and numerous demigods and demons were killed. Maces long and short swords, patisas, bhushandis, 
mudgaras, different types of iron clubs, javelins, spears, axes and other weapons glowed in the soldiers' hands. Fighting with these weapons, the jubilant warriors roared and cut off each other's heads. Elephants, horses, chariots and foot soldiers along with their drivers and passengers were hit and torn apart. Arms, thighs, hands, hips, ears and feet were cut off. Flags, arrows, swords, coats of mail and beautiful ornaments were split apart. From the tussle, glowing heads with earrings as well as elephant-like thighs were strewn about the earth. Severed arms with their ornaments and weapons were scattered about like honeycombs. Warriors running on the battlefield saw several headless bodies that jumped and were still holding their weapons. You know, such warrior spirit. Even the head was cut off, they were still fighting with their, you know, weapons. Before they died, they killed a few, you know, and then died. Um, The warriors discharged so many arrows at each other that the sun became obscured. So many arrows in the sky that the sun became obscured, like a cloud came, you know. All actually there were arrows. Heroes roared like lions, blew conscious loudly and fought furiously. Though the combat was terrible and tumultuous, it was pleasurable to the fighters. Yadrichaya chopapannam svargadvaram apavritam sukhina kshatriya partha labhante yuddhamidrisham So, it is from the Bhagavad Gita in the first, uh, second chapter. So, Krishna is saying, uh, first chapter, no, second chapter. So, Krishna is saying that Kshatriyas are always looking for the opportunity for battle, uh, dharma yuddha, righteous battle. Because even if they die, they will go to heaven. If they win, they will enjoy the earth. So, um, it was pleasurable to the fighters, although it was terrible scene, terrible, you know, violent scene. Chapter 12, Kartikeya and Kali enter the battle. So, okay, what happened? Though the combat was terrible and tumultuous, it was pleasurable to the fighters. Then the demigods were defeated. The first day the demigods were defeated. Many were wounded by weapons and missiles and frightened, they fled the battlefield. Shankachura had the upper hand. So, chapter 12, Kartikeya and Kali enter the battle. So, Lord Shiva is still sitting. The demigods returned to Lord Shiva and sought refuge in him. Disturbed, they cried out, O Lord, please save us, save us. Lord Shiva, noting the demigods' defeat and hearing their fearful cries, became greatly enraged. Glancing at the demigods sympathetically, he assured them of his protection. He ordered his son, the great hero Kartikeya, to attack the enemy. Kartikeya was the commander-in-chief of the entire Devatas. You know, the, the Tamil people, they worship Murugan. He is actually Kartikeya. They worship him, actually. So, the, even the Thaipusam they do here, although it is not exactly according to the uh, Vedic rituals, but they worship uh, Kartikeya or Murugan, who is actually the commander-in-chief of the demigods. So, he is actually son of Lord Shiva. Fighting courageously with the hosts of the demons, Kartikeya shouted angrily and roared heroically, killing 100 Akshavhinis in the battle. Just like that, he killed 100 Akshavhinis. You know, one Akshavani, you saw the number, right? Thousands and thousands of so many soldiers and elephants and chariots. He, 100 Akshavani is just like that. Kartikeya just wiped out of the, of, the, of the earth. So, just imagine, Mahabharata was only 18, 18 Akshavanis. 100 Akshavani is just like that. Then Kali, her eyes like a red lotus, chopped off their heads, drank their blood and rapidly ate their flesh. And she had a huge, humongous form, you know, you will see now. 
she fought in many ways frightening both the demigods and the demons she was fighting for the demigods but even the demigods themselves got afraid by seeing her how she was fighting <laughs> like that she was fighting kali kali is actually durga lord shiva's wife but when she goes into this bhadrakali mode super angry mode then she is uncontrollable in battle she you know so she was fighting like that so she fought in many ways frightening both the demigods and the demons wherever she went she drank the danavas blood with one hand she grabbed with one hand she grabbed 10 million elephants and 10 million men and playfully shoved them into her mouth you know just imagine how big her form was 10 million elephants and 10 million men just like that thousands of headless bodies appeared to be dancing on the battlefield all the cowards were terrified by the overwhelming tumult i don't know if anybody <laughs> in this world can actually see that scene and not run away she, here he said cowards but who will not be a coward when he sees this kind of scene you know <laughs> so again kartike again became furious showering countless volleys of arrows he struck thousands of demon leaders with within a few seconds terrified many of the danavas fled but those who stayed were slain the demons vrishaparva and viprachiti danda and vikampana fought with kartikeya by turns and all of them were wounded by his spear kali assisted kartikeya and together they won the battle this time they won the battle in the heavens the celestials pounded their drums and showered down flowers shankachoda saw the appalling spectacle wrought by kartikeya and kali uh, and kali shankachoda saw the wow what it was a spectacle to watch i mean the the war was i mean unprecedented but at the same time you know kshatriya he is he gets more energized by seeing this kind of violent scene you know and he saw the appalling spectacle wrought by kartikeya and kali it appeared as terrible as the final dissolution of the world it appeared as if the world is going to end furious he prepared for battle accompanied by many heroes he climbed into his diamond studded airplane and which was equipped with weapons and missiles this enlivened and encouraged his men especially when sankachoda sitting in the middle of the plane drew his bowstring to his ear and discharged volleys of arrows the shafts were terrifying and could not be endured nobody could get hit by the, the 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 arrow and then live they died for sure they resembled a shower of rain and covered the battlefield with intense darkness he was you know shooting so fast that the sun was completely obscured and it became dark relieved only by occasional flashes of fire at this nandishwara and other demigods fled however kartikeya stayed kartikeya is way too valorous to run away from the battlefield he was a dem you know commander in chief of the entire demigods then the danava king showered mountains serpents pythons and trees so horrendously that they could not be resisted thus kartikeya looked like the sun covered by thick sheets of frost shankachoda broke kartikeya's car cut to pieces his bow chariot and horses and shattered his peacock carrier then he hurled his effulgent spear at kartikeya's chest and the force of the blow caused him to fall unconscious kartikeya fell unconscious quickly re- regaining consciousness kartikeya mounted his sturdy bijewel chariot took up his weapons and missiles and fought awesomely using his mystic weapons he furiously split the demons that had been hurled at him namely the serpents mountains trees and rocks then he put out a fire with his water weapon split apart the demons bow and chariot and killed his charioteer roaring and shouting repeatedly like a hero he split shankachoda's armor and crown and then hurled his blazing spear at the demon's chest shankachoda collapsed unconscious this time shankachoda fell down unconscious you know both were such heroic warriors but within a second uh, mind you the shankachoda was such a furious warrior 
that Lord Shiva said even previous demons like Hiranyaksha, Hiranyakashipu and um, Madhu, Kaitabha, all these demons are no match for you, Shankachuda. You know, that powerful he was. But within a second, that powerful Asura regained consciousness and with the strength of a lion, got up and roared. The demon grabbed another bow and more arrows and mounted another chariot. Foremost in the use of mystic weapons, the demon caused a tremendous downpour of arrows on Karthikeya that completely enshrouded him. Then the demon grabbed an invincible iron spear which was filled with Lord Vishnu's energy. It was radiant like hundred suns and looked like the vast fire that occurs at the end of the world. Shankachuda hurled it at Karthikeya and it hit him with the impact of a massive fireball causing him to drop unconscious. Again, now Karthikeya fell down. Although such powerful weapon, he did not die, he just fell unconscious. Just see how strong they were. Kali immediately went to him, lifted her son to her breast and carried him to Lord Shiva. By virtue of his deep knowledge, Lord Shiva revived Karthikeya and endowed him with inexhaustible strength. He then got up full of vigor but remained guarded by Lord Shiva. He got up full of vigor again but he, he was sitting at uh, Lord Shiva by Lord Shiva's side when, while Kali again went back to battle. Kali followed by Nandishwara, the Gandharvas, the Yakshas, the Rakshasas and Kinnaras returned to the battlefield. Hundreds of war drums were pounded and hundreds of persons carried wine. When Kali began to roar like a lioness, the demons fainted. Seeing this, she burst into cackles of laughter, repeatedly boding ill to the Asuras. Then Kali drank wine and danced on the battlefield and the Yoginis, Dakinis and the demigods around... Dakinis means all the ghosts. She had all the ghosts around her. All of them were fighting the war. You know, all the Yoginis, Dakinis and demigods all also drank, roaring and reveling. When Shankachura saw Kali, he hastened to the field. Though his men were frightened by her, he assured them of his protection. Kali then hurled a fire weapon and it shot over the field like the fire that manifests when the world is about to come to an end of final devastation. But the king shot a water weapon at it and quickly extinguished it. Kali hurled the Varuna weapon at him but he baffled it with the Gandharva weapon. Kali threw the Maheshwara weapon but he destroyed it with uh, Vaishnava weapon. Then, after uttering some mantras, Kali discharged the Narayana weapon. Seeing it coming at him, Narayana weapon has no um, counteraction. So, what he did, seeing it coming at him, the king jumped off his chariot and bowed down to it. So, what happened? Causing the weapon to zoom upwards, like the fire of final dissolution. The arrow was coming at him, the missile, and it it cannot be resisted. The only way to resist is, you bow down to the weapon and it, it will not hit you. So he bowed down immediately. He had on the ground and it zoomed upwards and it, you know, it exploded into the, in, in the sky like the fire of the final devastation. The demon full of devotion fell prostrate on the ground. The goddess recited a mantra and hurled a brahmastra at him. But he baffled it with his own brahmastra. Then she threw a weapon at him that was eight miles long. But Shankachura cut it to pieces with his celestial weapon. Infuriated, the demon discharged celestial missiles at the goddess, but she merely opened her mouth wide, swallowed them and roared with loud laughter. (laughs) Celestial missiles, you know, divine weapons he he threw. She just opened her mouth wide and swallowed all the, you know, weapons and laughing. This terrified the demons. Shankachura then hurled a weapon at her that was 800 miles long. How to even hold a weapon 800 miles long? She threw a weapon that was 8 miles long. It was already long enough. But this was 800 miles. That means 
the distance between him and Kali was more than 800 miles. That far they were standing and fighting, you see. And he threw a weapon 800 miles long. How, how did he even throw it? Wow. <clears throat> and then, but she shattered it into a hundred pieces with celestial missiles. He flung the Vaishnava missile at the goddess, but she blocked it with the Maheshwar missile. The fight continued for a long time and all the demigods and demons stood watching it. They were having fun time, you know, watching. <laughs> Kali was now infuriated. Just as she readied herself to throw the Pashupata weapon. Pashupata weapon is invincible weapon also. A heavenly voice from the sky cried out, O goddess, do not throw this missile at Shankachuda. So long as Lord Hari's amulet remains on his neck and his wife's chastity is not violated, the king cannot, cannot be killed, even by the never-failing Pashupata weapon. Lord Brahma gave him this boon. Kali heeded the voice and desisted from hurling the weapon. But out of hunger, she devoured millions of demons. She was feeling hungry and she just put millions of demons in her mouth. She then hastened to devour Shankachuda, but he resisted her with his sharp celestial weapons. She next aimed a scimitar at him that flashed like the noonday sun, but the king cut it to the pieces, cut it to pieces. So she ran after him to swallow him, but the skillful demon prevented her by expanding his body. Highly enraged, the dreadful goddess smashed his chariot, killed his charioteer, and hurled a terrible spear at him, one that looked like the awesome fire that occurs when the world is about to end. But the king caught it with his left hand. The goddess then angrily struck him with her fists and caused the demon enough pain to make him reel and fall unconscious for a moment. Regaining consciousness, he got up, but he would not engage in hand-to-hand combat with Kali. Rather, he bowed down to her. You see, even at this war, he bowed down to her, taking her to be a mother. The goddess then threw other weapons at Shankachura, but he partly cut them down and partly took them up and absorbed them, rendering them futile. Regarding her as his mother, he did not aim any weapons at her. Then Kali caught hold of him, whirled him around repeatedly and angrily flung him into the sky. The demon came down with a thund- tremendous crash, but he immediately got up and bowed to the goddess. <laughs> he did not break or did not die. He, you know, she threw him in the sky and he fell down and then he bowed down to her and got up again. Next, he gladly climbed up onto another stunning jewel chariot and feeling no fatigue at all from the battle, continued fighting. Then Kali, feeling hungry, began drinking the blood and eating the fat of the fl- and flesh of the demons. After this, the goddess returned to Lord Shiva and described to him in detail the progression of the war from beginning to end. Hearing about the demise of the demons, Lord Shiva laughed. Kali remarked that the only demons alive were the ones who crawled out of her mouth while she was chewing them, which amounted to about 100,000. And, and when I took hold of the Pashupata weapon to kill Shankachuda, an invisible celestial voice cried, He cannot be killed by you. Then the power, you know, This is what she said to Lord Shiva. Then the powerful demon stopped hurling weapons at me. All he did was shatter those which I hurled at him. Chapter 13, Lord Shiva enters the battle. Hmm. The climax. After hearing the goddess report, Lord Shiva, versed in the highest knowledge, went with his entire retinue into battle. He sat on his great bull and was encircled by Virabhadra and others, as well as the Bhairavas and the Kshetrapalas, all equal to him in valour. As Lord Shiva entered the battleground, he assumed a heroic form and shone well as the incarnation form of the destroyer. When Shankachura saw him, he alighted from his aerial chariot. He had an aerial chariot, that means he was not just having wheels, it was aerial in the sky. He got down 
alighted from his aerial chariot and offered obeisance to him by lying flat on the ground. Then he got up, quickly returned to his chariot and seizing his bow and arrows, readied himself for the fight. The fight lasted for a year. The two heroes showered arrows fiercely on one another the way clouds continuously pelt the earth with rain. When Shankachuda playfully shot dreadful arrows, playfully, you know, playfully shot dreadful arrows, Lord Shiva split them all with his own arrows. Lord Shiva hit the demon's limbs with various weapons. Shankachuda then grabbed his sword and shield, hastened towards Lord Shiva, Shiva's sacred bull and hit it on the head. Seeing this, Lord Shiva smashed that sword and the shining shield by his Kshurapra weapon. Then the demon threw his spear at Lord Shiva, shot an arrow at it, um, sorry, threw his spear, but Lord Shiva shot an arrow at it and split it in half. Shankachuda, now infuriated, flung a discus, but Lord Shiva punched it with his fist and splattered it. The demon threw his club vigorously at Lord Shiva. However, Shiva split it apart and reduced it to ashes. Grabbing an axe, Shankachuda rushed toward Lord Shiva, but Shiva released such a volley of arrows at him that he fell unconscious. The Dhanava quickly regained consciousness and mounted his beautiful chariot. Covering the whole sky, he shone resplendently with his mystic weapons and arrows. When Lord Shiva saw him coming toward him, he pounded his drum, you know, the Damru, with enthusiasm and twanged his bowstring with a loud sound. Lord Shiva filled all four quarters with the sound of his horn and then, roaring loudly, frightened the demons. Next, the noble bull bellowed thunderously filling the sky, earth and eight quarters and shaming the proud trumpeting elephants. The trumpeting of the elephants became insignificant compared to the, the Nandi of the, the Lord Shiva. The sound that the Nandi made. Lord Shiva sur- surpassed all previous sounds by clapping the earth and the sky. The warriors emitted a, r- a raucous laughing sound, portending ill for the Asuras. Shiva also roared in that mighty battle. The demons were frightened by these piercing and dreadful sounds. However, the Dhanava king, Shankachuda, became extremely angry. Lord Shiva shouted, O wicked one, stay, stay! And the gods and his companions quickly shouted, Victory, victory! Shankachuda then hurled at Lord Shiva his awesome flame-shooting spear. As it travelled, it blazed brilliantly like a mighty fire. However, one of Lord Shiva's followers shot a meteor at it, meteor at it and stopped it. As the battle between Lord Shiva and the demon king continued, the heavens, earth, mountains, oceans and the rivers shook and trembled. Lord Shiva split apart hundreds of thousands of Shankachuda's arrows and the king did the same to Lord Shiva's shafts. Then the infuriated Shiva hit Shankachuda with his trident and knocked him unconscious. But quickly regaining consciousness, he grabbed his bow. They get knocked down and then quickly get up again and again. He grabbed his bow, discharged some arrows and hit Lord Shiva and his assistants. Then by means of magic, the Asura assumed 10,000 arms and quickly surrounded Lord Shiva with 10,000 discuses. Disc. But Lord Shiva shot wonderful arrows at them and split them all apart. All the 10,000. Shankachuda next seized his mace and accompanied by a massive army, charged Lord Shiva with the intention of destroying him charged at Lord Shiva with the intention of destroying him. However, Lord Shiva split the mace, making the Dhanava furious. The demon then seized a spear and that to the enemy blazed unbearably. As he neared Lord Shiva, the latter hit him in the chest with his trident. Then a huge valorous being came out of the demon's chest and said, Stand by, stand by. You know, what happened? Lord Shiva hit him on the chest with his trident 
from the chest of Shankarshuda, a huge valorous being came out from the demon's chest and said, Stand by, stand by. Lord Shiva laughed loudly and with his sword cut off the fearsome head that was emerging and it fell to the ground. Spreading his mouth, you see how horrendous this whole scene is. Spreading her mouth wide open, Kali angrily consumed countless demons, crushing their heads under uh, heads with her fierce fangs. You know, such a huge form she, she took. The enraged Kshetrapala consumed many other demons and Lord Shiva shot missiles at some and killed them. Others were just wounded. Virabhadra and Nandishwara destroyed many other demons. Thus, a major portion of Shankachura's army was killed while many of his terrified troops cowardly fled the battlefield. But Shankachura stood firm and said to Lord Shiva, I am here ready to fight with you. Come on. You know, he was just an awesome warrior. I am here ready to fight with you. Come on. You know, he was shouting at Lord Shiva. So what if my, many of my men have been killed? Fight me face to face. You know, how chivalrous he was. You know, he was a coward boy, you know, just playing some games with Krishna and then when he came here, you see how powerful he was. So, lots, I mean, the Lord's devotees, they may have, be engaging in very loving pastimes with the Lord, but if needed, they can act in the most adventurous and the most courageous way. Even the gopis, you know, even like for example, Rupa Goswami or Sanatan Goswami, they were all gopis and they were such scholars. When, he came, when they came into this world. In the goal over now, they were only you know, helping, you know, like Radharani. It looks like not, no need of much scholarship, no, but they are full with knowledge. When they come here and they want to execute the Lord's mission, whether they had to be scholars, whether they had to be exceptional fighters, whatever it is, when they are empowered in different ways, they exhibit to the maximum. And Shankarshuda also is displaying his maximum chivalrous nature. And... <clears throat> Shankachura, chapter 14, Lord Vishnu appears. Shankachura threw mystic missiles at Lord Shiva. He also, like a cloud pouring rain, showered arrows on him. He used different kinds of illusory methods that were invisible and bewildering to the demigods and Lord Shiva's followers. Seeing this, Lord Shiva released his supernatural Maheshwar missiles and these quickly destroyed the illusions, divesting them of their brilliance. Then the powerful Lord Shiva suddenly grabbed his trident, a trident that could be a trident that could not be withstood even by great persons so as to slay Shankachura. But to stop him, an unembodied heavenly voice boomed. O oh Shiva, do not throw the trident now. Listen to this request. There is no doubt that you are able to destroy the universe in a second. <clears throat> See, Lord Shiva is fighting with the Shankachura for so long, one year. But actually, he can destroy the entire universe in a second. You know. But he is just, you know, this is a pastime. He is just playing along with Shankachura. You know, so the unembodied voice, there was nobody but voice came. There is no doubt that you are able to destroy the universe in a second. So what would be the difficulty in destroying this one Dhanava, Sankachura? Still, you should not ignore the rules of the Vedas. O great one, rather make it truthful and fruitful. Understand that Lord Brahma has stated that as long as Sankachura wears the armor of Lord Vishnu, namely the amulet around his neck, and as long as his wife maintains her marital faithfulness, he can neither die nor grow old. He is under these boons. Therefore, please make these boons truthful by not violating them. See, he, he was actually powerful enough to violate them. But the request came from the, you know, from, I think, Vishnu. It sounded like Vishnu now or Brahma. So, um, so he please, please make these true, you know. <laughs> Lord Shiva replied, so be it. Tathastu. At that time, Lord Shiva desired to see Lord Vishnu. 
and so Lord Vishnu appeared there. Lord Shiva told him what he desired and Lord Vishnu agreed to help him. So dressed as an aged Brahmana, Lord Vishnu, foremost in mystic power, approached Shankachuda and requested, O king of the Dhanavas, please grant my request. He was in the, right in the middle of a battle. But the Brahmana, when he went there, Shankachuda gave charity. You know, this is, this is the Brahmanical culture and the Kshatriyas respected Brahmanas like this. Even in the middle of a battlefield, when a Brahmana came and asked for charity, the Kshatriyas had to give. No, 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 I am fighting a battle, you wait, wait. No, they cannot disrespect the Brahmanas like this. So, please grant my request. You give away in charity all kinds of wealth and riches. So, please grant me what I desire. I am a quiet, peaceful, aged Brahmana. I am very hungry and thirsty. But first, make your promise, then I will tell you what I want. The king with a kind face and a pleasing eye swore to him that he would give him whatever he asked for. So, the Brahmana said affectionately, I would like your amulet. Shankachuda, a well-wisher of the Brahmanas who spoke the truth, thus handed over the handed over to the disguised Lord Vishnu his divine amulet. Without hesitation, you see. Even though he knew what it meant, that he would lose maybe the supremacy, he would lose in the battle. Never mind. Whatever is, whatever I have to do, if I have to respect the Brahmanas, even if it means my defeat, so be it. He just gave it. Then Lord Vishnu assumed the form of Shankachuda. Now you see what he did. He got the amulet from uh, Shankachuda. Now he went out of the battlefield. Now he changed his form to look like Shankachuda himself. And then what he did? Then Lord Vishnu assumed the form of Shankachuda and went to Tulasi Devi's palace. So this fight that was going on between him and Lord Shiva, Shankachuda and Lord Shiva, this was outside. They don't find the fight in the cities. They will, they will designate a certain place as a battlefield and there they will fight. So this was way outside, way away from the palace. So for one year Tulasi was away from Shankachuda. And Lord Vishnu assumed the form of Shankachuda. So, of course, he can change into any form he wants. So, he changed, became like Shankachuda. And he went to Tulasi Devi's palace. When he approached the entrance, he created the appearance of a victory homecoming, causing others to beat their drums and to shout victory. He made, he, uh, he is a Paramatma. Krishna is Paramatma anyway, Vishnu. So, he made all the, you know, the guards and everybody in the city, made, uh, you know, them, you know, beat the drums and, so made a look as if it was a victory homecoming, you know. <laughs> so, and to shout victory, victory, jai, jai. And um, Tulsi Devi was awakened from sleep. She was actually sleeping. On hearing the sounds, the chaste woman was ecstatic. Oh, my husband has become victorious in the battle. She eagerly peeped through the windows onto the road. When she realized that her husband had returned, she observed all auspicious rites and offered cash gifts to the brahmanas. She gave to give charity to the Brahmanas. This is how people celebrate in the Vedic culture. When anything good happens, they immediately give charity to the Brahmanas. And you know, in this way. So she gave money and gold and everything to Brahmanas. Then she beautified herself. Lord Vishnu went to Tulasi's apartment. When she saw the Lord and thought he was her husband, she was gladdened. She bathed his feet. She bathed his feet, offered obeisances to him, and sobbed. She cried. Then she had him sit on the jewel on the jewel throne and handed him the auspicious betel leaf that had been made fragrant with camphor. She said, Today my life has become happy, for my beloved who went to fight has now returned home. Because Kshatriya either two things, either they return home victorious or they die on the battlefield. So when a Kshatriya goes, the wife has to expect that maybe he will die on the battlefield. But when they return home, it was a huge cause of celebration for the wives of the Kshatriyas, the Kshatranis. So, drinking him in with wide eyes and a smiling face, Tulasi Devi sweetly asked him about the events of the battle. My Lord, 
How did you do in the battle with Lord Shiva? He is the protector of the demigods and the annihilator of countless universes. You have returned cheerfully after defeating the great Lord. How did you beat him? Tell me all about it. Lord Vishnu laughed and said sweetly, When I reached the battlefield, there was a terrible clamor. A big battle then followed. The demigods fought the demons and each side was eager for victory. The demigods defeated the demons, but then I fought the powerful demigods. Those whom I defeated sought shelter of Lord Shiva. Then Lord Shiva to help them fought me for a long time. My dear wife, Lord Shiva and I fought continuously for a year. All the demons were killed. Then Lord Brahma made us agree to peace. (laughs) You see, he is (laughs) lying. Then Lord Brahma made us agree to peace. Thus, at Lord Brahma's order, the powers of authority were reassigned to the demigods. So, I have come home and Lord Shiva has gone to Shivaloka. All have returned to health and normalcy. Thus, the trouble has ended. <laughs> he lied. <laughs> without a, without a, you know, wink, he lied. <laughs> but Lord Shiva lying, you know, uh, Lord Vishnu lying, it's, it's transcendental. Then, Lord Vishnu then lay down on the bed with Tulusi Devi and became close with her. He became intimate. They both became intimate. Um, so, when the Kshatriyas come home from battle like that, victorious, then the, the wives, they please, please the husband with, you know, on, in the bed. So, Lord Vishnu slept with Tulusi. Chapter 15, the final battle. At this time, while this was going on in the Tulusi Devi's apartment, on the battlefield, at this time on the battlefield, King Shankasuda approached Lord Shiva without his armor. The latter seized his blading, blazing trident to slay the demon. The trident's name was Vijaya and it was as bright as a hundred summer suns. The front of it was presided over by Lord Narayana, the middle by Lord Brahma and the root by Lord Shiva and the edge by time. Huge mystical trident that Lord Narayana gave him. It was bright like the fire of devastation at the end of the world, dauntless, irresistible, fixed and destructive in its aim. In brilliance, it equaled the Sudarshan Chakra and it was the topmost of all weapons. No one but Lord Vishnu or Lord Shiva could wield it and all but them were afraid of it. The trident was 14,000 cubits long and 100 cubits wide. What is a cubit? What is a cubit? Maybe... Somebody can do a research and put in the comment section what is a cubit and how many meters it is. Um, I don't know. I will not. Maybe somebody can help me with that in the comment section. So, it was such a huge trident. Trishul. Trident means, you know, like shaft and then three. Trishul. One could not tell from where and how it proceeded. By its own will, this trident could destroy all the worlds. Lord Shiva raised the trident high, aimed and hurled it at Shankachuda. Seeing it coming, the demon king dropped his bow and arrows, collected his mind and sat down in a yoga posture, you know, like this, and meditated on the lotus feet of Lord Krishna with great devotion. He knew. He already went without an armor. He knew his death was just there. And he sat sat in a yoga posture and waited for the weapon. The trident whirled around Shankachuda's head for a while. Then, at Lord Shiva's command, it smashed into the demon's head and burned him and his chariot to ashes. Thereafter, the trident returned to Lord Shiva and then left for the airways at the speed of the mind and finally returned and finally returned with force and gladness to Lord Narayana. See? 
So it was encircling him, the demon, and then he smashed his head and his chariot to ashes. Thereafter, Trident returned to Lord Shiva and then left for the airways at the speed of the mind, you know, much faster than even light, and finally returned with force and gladness to Lord Narayan. In the heavens, the, celestial beat their, the celestials beat their drums, the Gandharvas and Kinnaras sang, the sages and demigods chanted eulogies, and all the dam- damsels danced. Flowers continuously rained, upon, rained down upon Lord Shiva and Lord, and Lord Vishnu, Brahma and Indra and other notables praised him. Out of compassion, Lord Shiva tossed the demon's bones into the sea and these bones became transformed into the, all the conscious of the world, in the world. The conch shell that we blow is actually coming from the bones of the Shankachuda, Shankha. Shankachuda. So, Shankha means the conch shell. They are always considered very holy and favourable in the worship of the demigods and even Krishna. The water in the conch is also considered very sacred and satisfying to the demigods. As sacred as the, It is as sacred as the water in any holy river. It can be offered to all the demigods but not to Lord Shiva. Wherever the conch is blown, Lakshmi dwells there with great delight. If one bathes with the conch water, this is equivalent to bathing in all the holy rivers. Wherever the conch is placed, Lord Hari and Goddess Lakshmi live there and all inauspicious things disappear from that place. However, wherever the females and Shudras blow the conch, Goddess Lakshmi becomes annoyed and out of fear travels to other places. Of course, uh, Prabhupada allowed women devotees to blow the conch and do the arati. Um, but Shastra says like this, Brahma Vaivarta Puran. Lord Shiva then mounted his bull carrier and with all his followers returned to his own residence. All the demigods also returned to their abodes with great joy. Before leaving, Lord Shiva favoured Shankachuda by releasing him from his curse and thus he regained his original form as the cowherd boy Sudama. Adorned with jewels, holding a flute, mounted on a divine chariot and surrounded by numerous cowherd boys from Golok Vrindavan, Shankachuda then flew to the spiritual sky Goloka which is full of devotees of Lord Krishna who have various transcendental relationships with him. When Sudama saw Srimati Radharani and Sri Krishna in Golok Vrindavan, he bowed down to their lotus feet with devotion. Seeing him, the divine couple were filled with love for him and with kind faces and joyful eyes lifted him up and took him on their laps. Chapter 16, Tulasi curses Lord Vishnu. In the meantime, Tulasi is still in the material world. Meanwhile, at the palace, Tulasi Devi was still lying on the bed with Lord Vishnu, <laughs> who was still disguised as Shankashura, whereas Shankashura already went back to Golok Vrindavan. <laughs> she suddenly realized that there was a distinct difference in the way her husband had expressed his affection to her in the past from the way he had just expressed it. So, a woman could sense, a woman can sense by the way her husband, of course, Lord Vishnu, being Lord Vishnu, he could have exactly mimicked Shankachura's exact way, mannerisms and how he expresses his love. Of course, it is possible for him, but he purposely did it differently so that Tulasi will get upset. So, there was a difference in the expression of love. This made her suspicious and she began to wonder whether the man with whom she had just been intimate was really her, her husband. Then, not feeling the same happiness, affection and attraction, she looked at him distrustfully and said, You are, you are not... Realizing in the core of her heart that he was not her husband, she asked, Who? Who are you? Tulasi Devi became angry. Yes, who are you? I want to know immediately, for I know you have deceived me to enjoy me. You have outraged my modesty. For this I shall curse you. 
Lord Vishnu then assumed his own true beautiful form. Tulsi saw the lord of the demigods before her. Her complexion was deep blue like fresh rain clouds. Her eyes were like autumnal lotuses. His eyes were like autumnal lotuses. And he was decked with jewels and ornaments. His smiling face looked very gracious and he wore a yellow robe. Seeing Vasudeva's handsome form, Tulsi fainted. So Tulsi saw the handsome Vasudeva's form and fainted. A moments later, she regained consciousness and said, Oh Lord, you are like a stone, you are merciless, you have violated my chastity by deception and by this means you have killed my husband. So she knew that if her chastity is violated, her husband would die. So in this way you have killed my husband, Oh Lord, you are merciless. Yes, your heart is like a stone. Therefore, I curse you to become a stone. Those who call you holy are doubtlessly wrong. Your devotee committed no offense and yet for the sake of others you killed him. Why? Overpowered with grief and sadness, Tulasi cried loudly and repeatedly lamented. Seeing her so upset, Narayana, who is an ocean of mercy, tried to console her according to dharmic rules. He said, O exalted one, you performed austerities for a long time to get me as your husband. And Shankachuda also performed austerities for a long time to get you as his wife. By that austerity, he fulfilled his wish. It was then necessary for me to fulfill your wish. For this reason, I did what I did. Now leave your earthly body and assume a spiritual body and be married to me. Be like Lakshmi. Your body will become a famous river known as Gandaki, a virtuous, pure and transparent river in this holy land of India, Bharatvarsh. Your hairs will be transformed into holy trees and since the trees will be born of you, they will be known as Tulasi trees. So the hair of her body, um, he asked her to shed her earthly body and her body will become the Gandaki river which is now in Nepal. And her hairs will become the Tulasi trees. All the residents of the three worlds will worship, will perform worship with the leaves and flowers of this tree. Thus you, Tulasi, will reign as the best among trees and flowers. Chapter 17. Blessings Tulasi Devi will bestow. Lord Narayana continued. He was speaking to Tulasi still. The sanctifying Tulasi tree will, go, will grow in Goloka on the east of the Viraja river on the Rasadan site in the forests of Vrindavan, Bhandirvan, Champakavan, uh, Chandana and in the groves of Madhavi, Ketaki, Kunda, Mallika and Malati. You will live in sacred places and bestow the highest religious merit. All the holy spots will converge and reside at the root of the Tulasi tree. All the holy spots will converge and reside at the root of the Tulusi tree. And thus spiritual merits will accrue to all. O fair one, all the demigods and I will wait, here, wait there to gather the falling Tulusi leaves. Whoever will be moistened or anointed with the water that has been sanctified by Tulusi leaves will reap the benefits of having bathed in all the sacred rivers and performed all kinds of sacrifices. Lord Hari will not be as pleased with the gift of a thousand jars of honey as with one Tulusi leaf. Offering one such leaf as a gift will bring the same reward obtained by offering millions of cows. If one offers Tulisi leaves during the month of Kartik, he gets the same rewards as those just mentioned. If at the time of death one drinks or gets the Tulisi leaf water, means water in which Tulisi, like in our Charanamrit, we put Tulisi, and in our, if you see in our Prasadam hall, also the water jug will be there with Tulisi leaves in it. So that water... If at the time of death one drinks, one will be freed of all his sins and proceed to Vaikuntha. Hmm. 
whoever drinks the tulsi leaf water daily will be redeemed in his, in his lifetime and receive the benefit of a dip in the ganga ganges whoever plucks a tulsi leaf keeps it on his person and then leaves his body in a holy place will go to vishnu loka that's why we wear tulsi mala also so if it if it touches our body when we are dying uh, we you know yamaraj servants cannot touch that soul anyone who leaves his body holding a tulsi leaf in his hands will be saved from all sins anyone who worships me with his leaf daily will reap the blessings of 100000 horse sacrifices anyone who wears a necklace composed of composed of tulsi wood will surely at every step get the reward of a horse sacrifice whoever breaks his promise this is opposite now whoever breaks his promise while holding the tulsi leaf will go to the kala sutra hell for as long as the sun and moon last anyone who gives false evidence in the presence of the tulsi leaf will go to the, go to the kumbhipaka hell for as long as the spans of 14 indras that means one day of brahma 4.32 billion years i will be in the kumbhipaka hell whoever at the time of death drinks or gets a little tulsi leaf water will certainly proceed to vaikuntha living in a jeweled airplane lord hari will decap- decapacitate hmm? decapitate that person who on the day of the new moon or the full moon or on the 12th or the last day of the lunar month or after being anointed with oil just before taking a bath or at noon night daybreak or sundown or in a state of impurity or in one's night dress will cull or pluck the tulsi leaf so we cannot pluck the tulsi leaf on a on the day of the new moon or the full moon and on the dwadashi and on the last day of the lunar month or after being anointed with oil just before taking a bath or at noon the three sandhyas the daybreak dawn noon and dusk and also in the night time we cannot pluck the leaf of the tulsi leaf uh, tulsi plant or in a state of impurity or in one's night dress state of impurity means um, especially for women you know um, in the state of you know one monthly cycles or even somebody dies in the family usually there is a impurity period so in that or in one's night dress will call or plug the tulsi leaf then he will you know lord hari is not happy so it is so therefore the devotee should not do that o chaste one even if such a leaf is kept for 3 nights and becomes dry it can still be employed in connection with funeral ceremonies vows gifts consecration of temples and the worship of demigods here it is said worship of demigods but prabhupada specifically said that um you know uh, this leaf has to be offered only at the feet of lord vishnu not even at the feet of lord, uh, radharani at the hand of radharani yes but not at the feet of radharani so um worship of demigods means the leaf must already be offered to vishnu and then offered to the demigods that way yes if tulsi leaves that were offered to vishnu have fallen on the ground or on water are then properly washed they may still be used for other sacred purposes and usually when a flower falls we we throw the flower but tulsi leaf you know that has been offered to vishnu um it can be still used for sacred purposes and it is said that even the tulsi leaf even if falls we can just wash it and it still be used it is so pure if tulsi leaves that were offered to lord vishnu or oh, we have already read this you will always be the presiding deity of the tulsi plant here on earth and at the same time you will always sport with shri krishna in solitude in goloka see she got what she what she was originally doing she was having a relationship with krishna in solitude you will get that and at the same time you will exist here in this world as a plant and as a most purifying plant
You will also be the presiding deity of the Gandaki river and thereby shower Bharatvarsh with religious merit. You will further be the wife of the ocean of salt, which is my partial expansion. So the ocean is a partial expansion, the Samudra is a partial expansion of um, Lord Narayana. So the ocean, the rivers are considered the wives of the ocean because the rivers come to the ocean anyway. Just like the wife is uh, coming to the husband. So Samudra is the husband, the ocean is the husband and the rivers are the wives. So this Gandaki river also will go to the um, uh, ocean. So therefore, she is the wife of Lavana, ocean. Lavana means salt. O chaste goddess, you will always remain personally by my side and enjoy my company as Lakshmi does. Chapter 18, Blessings of the Shalagram. The Lord Hari continued, As for me, by your curse, I will become a stone and remain close to the bank of the Gandaki river. That's why in the Nepal, in the Gandaki river, there are so many Shalagrams there. And how the Shalagrams get, you know, uh, formed, here it is said, I will, come, I will become a stone and remain close to the bank of the Gandaki river. Millions of Vajrakita worms with their sharp teeth will make convolutions or, or rings in the stones there, chakras, representing me. These will be known as shalagrams or sacred stones. So, the, there is a millions of Vajrakita worms in, near that place. And with their sharp teeth, they will break the stone and make chakra formations. And these chakras will represent me, he said. These will be known as shalagrams or sacred stones. Those stones which have one entrance hole, four rings, chakras are marked with a garland of wild flowers and look like a fresh rain cloud will be known as Lakshmi Narayan Murtis or forms. So, different types of you know marks on the Shalagram Shila will mean different so like this is Narsimha Shila, this is Matsya Shila, this is Kurma Shila, this is Lakshmi Narayan Shila. So, like this the, how to identify this is also given here. So, those stones that have one entrance hole, four rings, chakras look like fresh rain clouds but have no garland mark will be called Lakshmi Janardhan chakras. Those that have two entrance holes, four rings, chakras are impressed with the marks of cow hooves but have no garland mark will be called Raghunath chakras. Those that are very small have two rings, chakras look like fresh rain clouds but have no garland mark will be called Vamana chakras, um, Vamana shilas or chakras. They shall be auspicious to householders. Those stones that are very small have two rings and a garland mark with will be called Sridhara chakras. They will bring prosperity to householders. Those stones that are large, circular, have two rings but no garland mark will be known as Damodar chakras. Those that are medium large, have two rings, have the marks of arrows and quivers will be known as Ranarama chakras. Those that are medium sized, have seven rings and have the marks of an umbrella and ornaments will be called Raja Rajeshwaras, the king of kings, chakras and give royal prosperity to the people. Those that are large have 14 wheels, chakras, look like fresh rain clouds will be called Ananta chakras. They will bestow the fourfold fruits, Artha, Kama, Dharma and Moksha, wealth, pleasure, righteousness and liberation. Those that are spherical, beautiful, medium, large, have two rings, look like rain clouds and are marked with cow hooves will be called Madhusudan chakras. Those that have one ring chakra will be called Sudarshan chakras. Those that have their rings chakras hidden will be called Gadadhar chakras. Sometimes the chakras are inside the stone, hidden. Those that have two rings chakras and the face of a horse will be called Hayagrivas. Those that have two rings, their mouths wide 
very wide and extended and look very terrifying will be called Narsimhas. They will bestow detachment on the worshippers. Those that have two rings, extended mouths and garland marks, elliptical will be called Lakshmi Narsimhas. They will bestow blessings on the householders who worship them. Those that have near their doors two rings that are of equal size and beautiful with manifested marks will be known as Vasudevas. They will fulfill all desires. Those that have a thin ring look like fresh rain clouds and have many fine holes within their wide gaping facets, facets will be called Pradyumnas. They will bring, give happiness to all householders. Those whose rings are united and whose backs are capacious will be called Sankarshanas. They will always bestow happiness to householders. Those that look yellow, round and very beautiful will be known as Aniruddhas. They also will give happiness to householders. Wherever there are Shaligram stones, Lord Hari himself exists. And wherever Lord Hari is, Lord Goddess Lakshmi and all the holy places also exist. By worshipping the Shaligram Shila, one destroys the sin of having killed a Brahmana or, and any other type of sin. By worshipping Shaligram stones of the following shapes, the following effects take place. So These are all there, but um, we worship Shaligram Shila as, as Vishnu and like that we worship. If a stone looks like an umbrella, one may obtain a kingdom. If the stone looks round, great prosperity. If it is cart-shaped, miseries. If it ends in, if it end, if its ends are spear-shaped, death. If its facets are distorted, poverty. If it is yellow, evils and afflictions. If its rings look broken, diseases. If its rings are split into fragments, certain death. If one observes vows, offers gifts, consecrates a temple, performs shraddha or funeral ceremonies, or worships the demigods before the Shalagram Shila. All these acts become highly exalted. If one worships the Shalagram Shila, one acquires the merits of bathing in all the Tirthas, holy, holy rivers, and being initiated into all the Vedic sacrifices. Furthermore, one acquires all the merits acquired by performing all the Vedic sacrifices, by visiting all the holy places, by fulfilling vows, by practicing all austerities, and reading all the Vedas. Whoever performs his Abhishek, bathing ceremony, I mean Shalagram Abhishek, Always with Shalagram water, being sprinkled with this water at the initiation and installation ceremonies acquires the spiritual merits gained by offering all sorts of gifts and walking around the entire earth. Without a doubt, the demigods are pleased with the person who daily worships the Shalagram Shila. He becomes so holy that even all the holy places desire his touch. He becomes a Jeevan Mukta, liberated while in his physical body and very godly. Ultimately, he goes to Vaikuntha and serves Lord Hari there eternally. Any sin such as the killing of a Brahmana flies away from him just as snakes flee at the sight of Garuda, Lord Vishnu's eagle carrier. The earth is consecrated by the dust of his feet. By his birth, one redeems 100,000 of his ancestors. That means a person who worships Shalagram, he redeems 100,000 of his ancestors. Anyone who, while dying, wrings the Shalagram Shila water, that means the Charanamrita from Shalagram Shila will be freed from all his sins and go to Vaikuntha. Charanamrita, basically. He becomes completely freed from the effects of karma, material action and reaction, and without a doubt becomes forever absorbed in the vision of Lord Vishnu's feet. Anyone who lies, that means he tells lies, while holding the Shalagram in his hands, go to Kumbhipaka hell for as long as Lord Brahma is alive. 311 trillion and 40 billion earth years. If one breaks his promise while holding the Shalagram in his hand, he goes to the Asipatra hell for 100,000 Manmantras. Wow. He who worships the Shalagram Shila without offering Tulsi leaves on it or who separates the leaves from the stone will have to suffer separation from his wife in the next birth. 
and if one does not offer tulsi leaves in a conch he remains without his wife for seven births and becomes diseased he who maintains the shalugram shila the tulsi and the conch in one place becomes very dear to lord narayana it is painful for a person to separate from his beloved whose company he once enjoyed you were the dearmost of shankachura for one manmantra now he, lord narayana is telling tulsi it is painful for a person to separate from his beloved whose company he once enjoyed you tulsi were the dearmost of shankachura for one manmantra so now so it is now very difficult for you to separate from him chapter 19 tulsi returns to the spiritual world when lord hari stopped speaking tulsi left her physical body assumed a celestial form and went to vaikuntha there she remained in the heart of shri hari as did goddess lakshmi lord hari also went with her to vaikuntha as soon as tulsi devi quit her physical body this body became the gandaki river and lord hari manifested himself as the mountain on the bank of that river giving spiritual merit to the people the worms on that mountain the vajrakita worms cut and fashion that is construct various kinds of stones those that fall into the river and assume the color of clouds without a doubt yield results but those that drop onto the dry land become brown by the sun's rays and unfit for worship lord hari duly honored tulsi and began to sport with her <coughs> along with goddess lakshmi now this is in the vaikuntha world lord hari duly honored tulsi began to sport with her along with goddess lakshmi he elevated tulsi to the rank of lakshmi making her blessed and glorious lakshmi and goddess ganga allowed and tolerated this new union of lord narayana and tulsi however goddess saraswati became angered and could not tolerate tulsi's elevated position so all the demigods that are here in this material world they have their counterparts in the spiritual world like there is a spiritual ganesh in the spiritual world he is called uh, what is this called he has a name uh, starts with v i think i have got on the name so lord ganesh also is in the spiritual world so i think maybe vishwambar prabhu or somebody will <laughs> come to my rescue so so um, lord ganesh and all the demigods they have spiritual forms i mean not the demigods like here there is ganesh here there is kartikeya here there is saraswati there is a spiritual saraswati a spiritual you know uh, ganesh and everything uh, the name is just coming but it's just not coming you know ganesh name hmm anyway so saraswati also was a consort of lord vishnu and lord hari so lakshmi and ganga they tolerated the new woman in the household in the vaikuntha household tulsi however goddess saraswati became angered and could not tol- tolerate tulsi's elevated position once in the presence of lord hari the dignified saraswati quarreled with tulsi and hurt her tulsi humiliated and insulted disappeared now you may think how all these things happen in vaikuntha and what is this how come you know things that happen here in this world happen there also but no now you you will see the result why um so tulsi humiliated and insulted disappeared then out of anger the wise and adept tulsi became invisible even to lord hari when lord hari did not see tulsi he appeased saraswati he he pacified saraswati and obtaining her permission see he took her permission you see how much he is like a handpicked husband he proceeded to the tulsi forest of vrindavan he was very much disturbed by separation from her there he took a bath then with proper rites he he worshiped the chaste tulsi lord narayana hari himself worshiped tulsi with his whole heart and then meditated on her with devotion and and, and uttered obeisances to tulsi devi queen of vrindavan forest 
During the worship, Tulasi was offered a lighted ghee lamp, frankincense, sandal flowers and sacrificial offerings. Anyone who worships Tulasi in this way will achieve complete perfection. So here, this is the process we also follow. Incense, a ghee lamp and flower. So that is the Tulasi Arati. The Lord then began to praise His glorious devotee. The Tulasi tree is collected in many groups. Now here are the eight different names of Tulasi. So he began to praise the Tulasi. So actually what he is doing in this way is revealing Tulasi's eight names to the world. And anyone who chants these names and knowing their meanings, they will become purified. So he is actually, in this pastime of you know Saraswati upsetting Tulasi and all that, this mode of worship that uh, Narayana, Lord Narayana had performed and revealed the names of Tulasi, eight names of Tulasi. So they come for our benefit. So in this way the pastimes are constructed. The Tulasi tree is collecting many groups. Thus the Pandits call it Vrinda. Like we say Gaur Bhakta Vrinda. Vrinda means group of devotees. Bhakta Vrinda means group of devotees. Muni Vrinda means Naradadi Muni Vrinda Vanditam in the Mukundamala Stotra. Uh, Naradadi Muni Vrinda Vanditam. You know all the groups of sages headed by Narad Muni they worship Krishna. So Chintayami Hari Meva Santatam. So, um, Vrinda means group. So, because Tulsi, um, they grow in groups. Uh, she grows in groups of plants. So, it is called Vrinda. She is called Vrinda. So, actually, I also knew because of this only. Otherwise, I wouldn't know why she was called Vrinda. Vrinda one. So, groups of forests of Tulsi trees. I praise that dear Tulsi. Long ago, she appeared in the Vrindavan, Vrindavan forest and is thus known as Vrindavani. So now we have, there are two names revealed, Vrinda and Vrindavani. I adore that auspicious and glorious one. She is always worshipped in countless universes and so is known as Vishwapujita. Third name, Vishwapujita. One who is worshipped throughout the world. I worship that Vishwapujita. Countless universes are made pure and holy by her contact. She is, there, she is therefore called Vishwapavani. Fourth name, one who purifies the whole universe. Remembering her, I am suffering from separation from her. Though other flowers be heaped upon the demigods, they are not satisfied unless Tulasi is offered. Especially offered Tulasi. That means a Tulasi that was already offered to Lord Vishnu. The Lord, the demigods don't accept Tulasi directly. No, because she is only meant for Vishnu's satisfaction. Thus, she is considered the essence of all flowers and is called Pushpasara. The essence of all flowers. Pushpasara, fifth name. Then, now I am anguished and troubled and very eager to see her. She is she who is purity incarnate. I crave the favor of that goddess. Uh, in separation of Tulasi, he is, you know, he is chanting all these things and worshipping her. Because attainment of her brings faith and joy, she is called Nandini. Nandini means one who brings joy, especially a female who brings joy is Nandini. Nanda, Ananda. Ananda means bliss and Nandini means one who gives bliss, a female especially. Oh, may she be pleased with me. In the whole world, she is incomparable. Thus, she is called Tulasi. I take refuge of that dear Tulasi. Very chaste and dear, she is the life of Krishna and so is known as Krishna Jeevani. Oh, may that goddess save my life. So, in this way, he revealed eight names. What are they? Vrinda, Vrindavani, Vishwapujita, Vishwapavani. And then there is uh, Pushpasara. Nandini, Tulasi 
అండ్ కృష్ణ జీవని ఎయిట్ నేమ్స్ ఆఫ్టర్ లార్డ్ హరి ఫినిష్ ద సెరమనీ అండ్ ప్రేయర్స్ తులసి వాజ్ ప్లీజ్ అండ్ కేమ్ అవుట్ ఆఫ్ ద ట్రీ షీ ఇమీడియట్లీ టుక్ రెఫ్యూజ్ అట్ లార్డ్ హరీస్ లోటస్ ఫీట్ హీ బ్లెస్డ్ హర్ బై సేయింగ్ ఓ తులసి యూ విల్ బి వర్షిప్ బై ఆల్ త్రూ అవుట్ ద వర్ల్డ్ డియరెస్ట్ ఐ విల్ హోల్డ్ యూ ఆన్ మై హెడ్ అండ్ ఇన్ మై హార్ట్ అండ్ ఆల్ ద డెమిగాడ్స్ విల్ హోల్డ్ యూ ఆన్ దర్ హెడ్స్ సో డెమిగాడ్స్ విల్ హోల్డ్ ఆన్ ద హెడ్స్ Uh, the proper way to sometimes i see in the south indian especially south indian temples they put tulsi at the feet of hanuman at the feet of all the devatas that's not the proper way if you want to put for them you put on the head of them mm. when lord hari saw that the dignified tulsi was weeping because her feelings had been hurt by saraswati he clasped her to his breast took her to saraswati and reconciled their differences then he blessed tulsi saying you will be worshiped by all honored by all and respected by all and all will carry you on their heads i will also worship honor and respect you and carry you on my head you know you know how much she is glorified tulsi was now very happy saraswati then embraced her and seated her by her side lakshmi and ganga smiling also hugged her and then took her home so now all the differences were reconciled this is vaishnav vaishnav means there may be some disagreement but because krishna is the common um, goal the differences are easily reconciled so anyway this whole pastime happened because the eight names of tulsi may be revealed to us chapter 20 worship of tulsi devi whoever worships these are the uh, benefits of worshiping tulsi the chapter 20 is all about that whoever worships tulsi devi with her eight names and their meanings vrinda vrindavani vishwapavani vishwapujita tulsi pushpasara nandini and krishna jeevani and properly sings this hymn of eight verses actually there are eight verses i think tulsi tulsi ashtakam or something which the krishna i mean which narana has sung i think it's actually a sanskrit verses of course they are sanskrit but it's a eight verses with all these names maybe somewhere we can find that because tulsi was born on the lunar day of the full moon in the month of kartik lord hari prescribed this day for her worship actually they do tulsi shalagram vivaha uh, on the first day of kartik if i'm not wrong mm. on the full moon day of kartik they have tulsi shalagram vivaha ceremony in the vrindavan and all the vaishnav temples they do it we don't really uh, do that uh, like that there are innumerable festivals we have to do every day will be a festival only and we have to ask donations from devotees and they will become bankrupt <laughs> so anyway this was this is a festival that is there um tulsi shalagram vivaha i think in vrindavan temple in iskon temple also they do uh, they do all this uh different uh, extra festivals than the usual ones that is standard for all his contemplatives all over the world there are some which are extra performed in uh, mayapur and vrindavan and all that whoever worships her on this day will be freed from all sins and go to vaikuntha whoever out of reverence gives lord vishnu a tulsi leaf in the month of kartik will gain the same benefit obtained by giving the gift of 10 million cows just by giving one leaf in the month of kartik to vishnu by hearing or recalling the tulsi hymn a son will be born to the sonless woman a wife will be obtained by the wifeless man <laughs> wifeless man <laughs> a wifeless man is a lifeless man um sounds very pathetic wifeless man um health will be restored to a diseased person these are all you see for those who want material prosperity they are encouraged by these things but these are not actually the real goals of worshiping tulsi the real goal is to attain seva adhikar diye koronijada see seva adhikar please give me the adhikar the the privilege of service to krishna 
that is the real uh, reason to worship Tulasi, not for all these material benefits. But Vedas, you know, in the Puranas, there are so many like this. They also promise some material benefits. So that at least those who want these things, they at least come to chant and worship Tulasi. That's why in, in Hindu families, even though they are not Vaishnavas, they all worship Tulasi. Everyone worships Tulasi. Whether he is a Shaivite or a Shakta or Vaishnava, everybody worships Tulasi. So, in this way they are encouraged to do this. But the ultimate aim is not for this. Even Shalugram Shila. We worship as Lord Vishnu for devotional service. Not to get all this, you know, whether which was Shalugram and which way or what way. No. You know, we worship Lord Vishnu. That is how devotees see it. Even Ekadasi, there are so many Ekadasi Mahatmya. There are so many... um, material fruits one may get by following different ekadasis in different ways. But we do all that for, again, devotion. Even the same thing with Chaturmasya. Chaturmasya, four months, the different fastings, actually we only follow very minimal. There are very, very stringent rules for Chaturmasya, if you really want to go the Vedic way. So all that is done for attainment of heavenly planets. But devotees do the same thing, but not for the same result. They go for uh, Vishnu, I mean Krishna's service. So, son, by recalling or hearing the Tulsi hymn, a, tulsi, a son a son will be born to the sonless woman, a wife will be obtained by the wifeless man. <laughs> Sounds pathetic. Health will be restored to a diseased person. Freedom will be given to a prisoner. Fearlessness will be bestowed upon the terrified and salvation will be given to the sinners. In the Kanvasa Shakha branch of the Vedas, the method of worshipping and meditating on Tulsi Devi is described. Without invoking the goddess, one can reverentially meditate on her and adore her with 16 ingredients in the following way. Of all flowers, Tulsi is the best. She is worshipable and beautiful and burns up the fuel of sins like a flame of fire. Of all the goddesses, she is the most sacred because no one can compare to her. She is called Tulsi. I worship the, this goddess who is entreated by all. She is placed on the heads of all, desired by all and makes the universe holy. She bestows liberation from this world and devotion to Lord Hari. I worship her. After this meditation and worship, the wise should read her praises and bow down to her. So now, this is the end of the the whole 20 chapters. This, now we understand the glory of Tulsi Maharani. How glorious she is and why we worship Tulsi every day in the morning. Actually, morning and evening. But especially in the morning, it is a must. In some Iskand temples, they also do in the evening. Of course, in the evening we are here and there doing our services, uh, but uh, Tulsi is worshipped every day. Uh, this is the reason. And if you see the song, we can actually quickly go through the song, uh, the Tulsi song. And um, let's actually go through that, because then now we will actually really understand what is the meaning of the Tulsi song. So this is the Tulsi song. So, we can briefly go through this. Now, we can actually understand at least what they mean, the verses. Because every day we are singing, we have to know. I have repeatedly said this many times in this series. But we have to know, not just know now and then forget later. Oh, now, oh, nice, Tulsi story and then forget it. And then, no, we have to know while we are singing the Sanskrit or the Bengali. This is actually a Bengali song. So, while we are singing, we have to know the meaning. And we know what we are singing and we can sing with... Uh, a little more respect. 
సో వృందాయై తులసి దేవ్యై ప్రియాయై కేశవస్య చ విష్ణుభక్తి ప్రదే దేవి సత్యవత్యై నమో నమః సో ఇఫ్ యు సీ ది వర్డ్ వర్డ్ వృందాయై అంటు వృందా తులసి దేవ్యై అంటు తులసి దేవి ప్రియాయై హూ ఇస్ డియర్ కేశవస్య టు లార్డ్ కేశవ కృష్ణ చ కృష్ణ భక్తి డివోషనల్ సర్వీస్ టు కృష్ణ ప్రదే హూ బెస్ట్ హౌస్ ద మీన్స్ షీ బెస్ట్ హౌస్ డివోషనల్ సర్వీస్ upon the devotees she blesses if tulsi maharani's blessing is there we can get the blessing of uh, devotional service we can perform devotional service to krishna devi o goddess satyavatyai unto satyavati that means o truthful who is knower of the truth nama nama namon namaha means nama namaha together becomes namon namaha repeated obeisances so if you go to the meaning introductory verse this is what we bow down and uh, say i offer my repeated obeisances to vrinda shrimati tulsi devi who is very dear to lord keshava o goddess you bestow devotional service to lord vishnu and possess the highest truth second now is the and this uh, last one when we chant uh, so the first verse is actually in sanskrit language this namo vrindaye tulsi devi priyaye keshavasya cha um sometimes i see the devotees pronounce it wrongly like namo vrindaye tulsi devaya vrindaya tulsi devaya no that's wrong vrindayai yai is for female vrindayai whereas krishnaya krishnaya is for male so it's not vrindaya tulsi devaya dev or devaya it is not male it is female so vrindayai tulsi devyai we have to take proper care to say her name nicely and offer her nice obeisances so vrindayai tulsi devyai priyayai keshavasya cha vishnu bhakti prade devi satyavatyai namo namaha so it's not vrindaya tulsi devaya devyai priyayai so this is sanskrit and yanikani chapapani this is also sanskrit yani kani chapa actually these two verses are not part of the this song they are taken from the puranas yani kani chapapani brahmahatyadikani cha tani tani pranashyanti pradakshina pade pade now what is the meaning yani kani chapapani by the circumambulation of shrimati tulsi devi all the sins that one may have committed are destroyed at every step even the sin of killing a brahmana for word to word meaning you can actually go here in the same song page there is this after the song and before the translation there is word to word link you can click on the link you can see the word to word meaning as well so we will i think just go to the translation brahma hatya brahma hatya means the killing of brahmana adikanicha so beginning beginning with the brahma brahma hatya killing a brahmana is the worst sin but even that sin can be absolved just by pradakshina pade pade actually i think we should go to the word to word meaning because at least you know you will once we are doing it so let us do it properly yanikani whatever cha and papani sins brahma hatya killing of a brahmana adikani and so on cha also tani tani all of them pranashanti are destroyed pradakshina by circumambulation going around tulsi why we go around tulsi um, this is the reason pade pade at every step so then the full translation is uh, we have already read now we go to the song 
namo nama tulasi krishna preyasi namo nama radha krishna seva pavo e abhilashi so this is the first um, verse so word to word meaning Namo Namah, bowing down again and again. Tulasi, Krishna Prayasi. O Tulasi, who is dear to Krishna. Krishna Prayasi means one who is dear to, beloved of Krishna. Namo Namah, repeated obeisances. Radhika, uh, Radha Krishna Seva, the service of Radha Krishna. Pabo, I will obtain. Ei Abhilashi, I, I want. You see, I want the service of Radha and Krishna. Here you will see. O Tulasi, beloved of Krishna, I bow before you again and again. My desire is to obtain the service of Sri Sri Radha Krishna. Then second, this is what we are singing. Yeto mara sharana loy taravancha purna hoy Kripa kori koro tare vrindavanavasi So, Yeto mara sharana loy Whoever, Tomara, Ye means who. In Bengali, it is pronounced as J. J. Tomara Sharana Loy. Tomar means your. Sharana Loy means take shelter. Whoever takes your shelter, Tara, his, Vancha, desires, Purnahoy, are fulfilled. Kripa Koriya, being merciful, Koro, you make Tare, him, Vrindavan Dasi, a resident of Vrindavan. You see, what Tulasi does? Whoever takes shelter of you has his wishes fulfilled. Bestowing your mercy on him, you make him a resident of Vrindavan. You know, she in return, make him a resident of Vrindavan. My desire, you know, next verse. Moraya bhilash vilas kunjadi yovas nayane heribosada yugalaruparashi so the word to word meaning, Mora, my, A means this, Mora, A, Abhilash. This is my desire. Abhilash means desire. Vilas Kunje, in the pleasure groves of Vrindavan. Dio, please give Vas a residence. Please give me a residence in Vrindavan. Um, Nayane, Vrindavan means, of course we see Vrindavan, but a materialist cannot really see Vrindavan, the real Vrindavan. He will just see some uh, thorny plants and you know, some monkeys and pigs and that's all. But a person with spiritual vision who is a devotee, he sees a very grand, um, nice, full, he sees the entire Golok Vrindavan planet in that small place of Vrindavan. So, in that Golok Vrindavan and which is non-different from Gokul Vrindavan which is on the earth. So, I um, please give me a residence there. Um, Nayane, with, with my eyes, Heribo, I will behold Sada, Jugalaruparasi, the waves of divine, the divine couple's ex- beauty. Divine couple is Radha and Krishna. Um, so, he is saying, he is actually, this is written by Krishnadas, poet named Krishnadas, as um, an Acharya. So, he is saying, my desire is that you will also grant me a residence in the pleasure groves of Sri Vrindavan Dham. Um, so, thus with my vision, I will always behold the beautiful pastimes of Radha and Krishna. Then fourth, 
निवेदन धरो सखीरनुगता करो सेवाधिकार दिए करो निज दासी सोहिसेवेदना दिस रिक्वेस्ट धरो प्लीज कीप नो दिस इज माय रिक्वेस्ट प्लीज फुलफिल Sakira of one of the cowherd damsels, Anugata Koro, make me a follower. Make me a follower of the gopis of Vrindavan. Seva Adhikar, the privilege of devotional service, Diye, bestowing, Koro, please make Nijadasi your own maidservant. Please make me your maidservant. They're asking the Tulsi Maharani, please make me your maidservant and make me a follower of a gopi in Vrindavan and give me the privilege of performing devotional service to Krishna. If you see the translation, I beg you to make me a follower of the cowherd damsels of Raja. Please give me the privilege of devotional service and make me your own maidservant. So he is not asking, please make me one of the gopis, please make me Radharani, no. One of the servants of Radharani, one of the servants of, not even Radharani, servants of servants of Radharani. So like this. And then finally, Dina Krishna Dase Koi Ejana Morahoi Shri Radha Govinda Preme Sadajana Bhasi. So, Dina Krishna Dase, Dina Dukhi Krishna Das. This is his name, Dina Dukhi Krishna Das. He is praying, Koi, praise, A, this, Jena, just like Morahoi is mine. Shri Radha Govinda Preme, in the ecstatic love of, for Shri Radha and Govinda, Sada always, Jena, just like Bhasi swimming. So, he is asking, <clears throat> Dina Dukhi Krishna Das prays, May I always swim in the love of Shri Radha and Govinda. So, this is the song, Tulsi Maharani. And also, uh, there are uh, Tulsi Mantra, which we have to chant when we are plucking the Tulasi leaves. So, this is Tulasi Amrita Janmasi Sadatvam Keshava Priya Keshavartham Chinomitvam Varada Bhavashobhane. So, when one is plucking the Tulasi leaves, uh, we have to chant this mantra. O Tulasi, you were born from nectar, you were always very dear to Lord Keshava. Now, in the order, in order to worship Lord Keshava, I am collecting your leaves and manjaris. Manjari means the, the flower of the Tulasi plant. Um, when it is small, and with the two leaves attached to it, you pluck that, that is called a manjari. Please bestow your benediction on me. Then, after having plucked all the leaves, you have to chant another mantra. Chayanod bhava dukkham cha yad hiridi tavavartate tat kshamasva jagan mataha vrinda devi namostate. O Tulsi Devi, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. Kindly forgive me if I have caused you pain by picking your leaves and manjaris, O Mother of the Universe. So, these are the two mantras that we have to chant and we have to take care of the... In fact, in our temple, Pavaneshwar Prabhu takes very good care of the Tulsi plants and uh, he waters them every day. So, this is very auspicious. Even the drops of water that everyone puts on the, at the root of the Tulsi plant every day in the morning and take the dust of the Tulsi plant on the head take a little bit of the dust and put on the head and then go around. So, this is the proper way to worship Tulsi. So, by that we get immense benefit and uh, Krishna's will be, Krishna will be pleased by that. So, that is basically the significance of uh, Tulsi story and uh, the Tulsi song that we sing. 
and some additional mantras while plucking. Now, any questions or comments on this? In fact, I have already received um, I have already received a couple of questions. Uh, one from Mark Prabhu, I think, I hope he also put, put it here. Okay, now this is a very, very good question he had asked. This is Mark Prabhu from Hungary. I do not know if you can all see it. I will try to make it slightly bigger. I, I hope it won't become like a big. Okay, so I hope you can all see this, this question. He is asking, Hare Krishna Prabhu, what is better, what is the better or proper attitude for the kinds of songs like Sri, Sulati, Sri Tulsi Kirtan or Sri Shikshashtaka? I meant when we sing, example, Mora Ai Abhilash Vilas Kunja Diyovas, Nayana Heribosada Jugal Ruparasi. Although I have no strong desire yet like the author, so better to glorify the author because he is a pure devotee and he has a great realization or try to feel the same way like in the song or both or something completely different. Same in the Shikshashtaka example, four or seven verse. Thank you. So, um, I hope you understood the question. So, he is saying that in this Tulsi song, we have we have read that, Oh, Morai um, Abhilash, my desire is to, um, you know, live in the, in the uh, Vrindavan Dham and see the pastimes of Radha and Krishna. Now, he is asking, this devotee who has written this song, he has this feeling that, uh, he has this intense feeling of, you know, becoming a resident of the dham. The, but I, at this moment, I don't have such strong feelings to go, you know, go to Krishna and, you know, although I know that Krishna is a supreme personality, we have to serve him and everything. But that intense ecstatic desire that this Vaishnava has, I don't have it. So, how should we sing the song? And when we are singing the song, we know the meaning, but I, I know I am not there, but we are still singing. So, how to, how to actually, how should our mindset be? So, this is a very good question. And he is also asking in regards to uh, Shikshashtaka, where it is said, uh, fourth and seventh verses. In the fourth verse, Nadhanam, Najanam, Nasundarim, Kavitam, Vajagadisha, Kamaye, Mama Janmani, Janmanishware, Bhavatad, Bhakti, Rahitukhi, Tvai. So, he said, I don't want wealth, I don't want women, I don't want money, uh, I don't want following, fame, uh, I just want your devotional service life after life. He's asking, I may not be in that level, but I'm still saying it every day and we are, we are reading it as a matter of routine, but we're not having the same feeling, so how should we, how should we feel? And in the seventh, uh, seventh verse, it is Nayanam Galadashru Dharaya, that is sixth verse. Even those, we don't have all the ecstasy, you know, with tears flowing from my eyes and Govinda Virahename, feeling ecstatic separation from the Lord in the seventh verse. But we still were chanting. So, how to, how to feel? So, this is a very good question. So, at this point, we have to acknowledge, yes, we are not there. And we cannot imitate uh, the position of a pure devotee. In the nectar of instruction, in the fifth verse, in the purport, Prabhupada very clearly states, that Bhakti, he quotes Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he says, one should not imitate a pure devotee, a devotee on the first class platform, while we are in only the third class or second class platform, majority in the third class platform. We cannot imitate the pure devotee. Yes, we may not have the same desire as him, but we still chant it, understanding that that is the goal. That is the goal. And by chanting the song written by uh, Vaishnava, Acharya, 
you know we please the lord we please tulsi maharani we please if we if i write my own song it may be full of faults but we always sing the f- songs of like bhakti vinod thakur narutumdas thakur like here krishnadas so by singing their songs we also realize what is the level of pure devotion and where am i um, is a huge vast difference there's actually a beautiful verse in this connection i will just show you it's in the madhya leela chapter 23 sorry it is a little bit long today but uh, this will be so at least we can uh, finish it today so in the madhya leela there is a nice verse by Uh, Rupa Goswami, he has quoted this in the Bhaktira Samrata Sindhu, uh, but it is also quoted in Chaitanya Charitamrata. Krishna. So, this uh, thing is quite irritatingly slow sometimes. So this is a beautiful verse. <laughs> See it is going up and going down and no control at all. I mean Krishna to read this verse also we must have some piety, you know. I don't think I have Krishna Krishna. yes okay here we are this is chaitanya charitamrita madhya leela chapter 23 text 29 chapter 23 text 29 of madhya leela na prema shravanaadi bhaktir apiva yogothava vaishnavo gyanam vashubham gyanam vashubha karma vakiyadaho ಸಜ್ಜಾತಿರಪ್ಯಸ್ತಿವಾಪ್ಯಚ್ಛೇದ್ಯಮೂಲಾಸತಿಹಾಮದಾಶೈವಮಾಂ i have heard prabhu quote it many times in the class sundagopal prabhu has quoted this verse but this is the meaning oh my lord i do not have any love for you nor am i qualified for discharging devotional service by chanting and hearing nor do i possess the mystic power of a vaishnava knowledge or pious activities i possess none of these nor do i belong to a very high ca- high caste family on the whole i do not possess anything still o beloved of the gopis because you bestow your mercy on the most fallen i have an unbreakable hope that is constantly in my heart that hope is giving me always giving me pain so even this we may not feel as intensely as this verse has projected um, but one thing is for sure that we have to execute the orders of the spiritual master and as we hold on to the instructions of shri prabhupada tightly everything will be revealed i would like to think in this way um, there is a nice verse by rupa goswami by this uh, analogy we can actually get a idea of what this how to take this you see um, 
let's see if it comes yes so this is a nice verse by rupa goswami in the stavamala he said manasi japani jushte labdha patos midushte timira gahana rupe hanta sansara kupe ajita nikhila raksha very beautiful verse. He said, See Krishna, I am in a very, very deep, dark, filthy well of samsara. Now imagine yourself in a deep, dark well. Very, 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 very deep. Unfathomably deep. Now, in that deep well, I am there. And that is this world of samsara, this materialistic world. Now, in this well, there is water. Now, those who are... And now, he is saying, now, in this well, not only is this very deep and there is no chance, even if I cry out, please help me, help me, nobody will even hear me. And it's a blind well. It's so dark because the light of the sun doesn't even come in. So dark and it's so deep. So... In this position, I am crying out helplessly. And not only that, already it is dark and gloomy and everything is hopeless. And there is a snake. This snake is my lust, which is constantly trying to bite me. So I am in a a complete dangerous position. Now, in such a position, one can only be, one can only come out only one way. If somebody lowers down a rope, if somebody very merciful lowers down a rope all the way to me so that I can catch. So he is asking. So he is saying, oh, Krishna. So I am so sinful and I have fallen into this deep well of samsara. Timira Gahana Rupe, very deep and very dark. Hanta samsara kupe. Kupe means a well. Ajita nikhila. Ajita nikhila raksha. Hetum uddhara daksham. You are very expert in lifting up people all the way from this samsara. Upanaya mama haste. Bhaktira jum namaste. So please, upanaya means please bring near to me the rope so that you can bring me up. And what is this rope? Bhaktira jum. Rajum means rope. Bhaktira jum means a rope of devotion. So bring, please give to me this rope of devotion. Please lower it down so that I may hold it. So this is the example. Now, just imagine now, we are in that well now. A human form of life. So when you are in that well, just above water, you can see that there is a small hole and that is the light at the end of the tunnel. That is a spiritual, there is a glimpse of the because once you come out of the well, it is spiritual world, right? So this is now the material world, the well. So there is a small glimpse, small hole only. That's all we can see, very, very far away. And in human form, we can see that at least. At least because we are above the surface of water, we can see. Though if we are below the surface of water, you are submerged in the water, just like those below human species, they are in complete underwater. They can't even see that. Just so similarly, animals and plants and every all these birds and everybody below human beings they are in the well inside the water they can't even see that means they don't have any idea of spiritual existence 
they are completely in the bodily conception of life and completely lost to themselves. In human form of life, although we are in a dangerous position, we can, we are at least above the water level, we can at least see that there is something above, you know, and I think there is safety, you know, we can at least have a glimpse. So now our position is like that, we have a very little information. Now, if actually you come out from the place, you can fully see the entire place nicely. But now we are in this well and we can only see one slight hole there. Now, Bhakti Rajum, so when this rope of devotion is lowered down, now if we hold on to it tightly, we don't even have to, you know, we just hold on to it tightly, Lord Krishna will pull up. But even to hold also we need strength, you know, it's not easy to just hold and hold on tightly. No, it is very difficult. So, you need strength. So, where you get the strength? Balaram. And Balaram is the giver of strength. And how we get strength from Balaram? Balaram's representative, the spiritual master. By following his instructions, we get the strength to hold on to the rope. And if we hold on tightly and not slip, if, if we slip, then again we will fall again back to the, into the kupa, into the well. So, if you hold on to the instructions tightly, then we will go up and up and up. And as you go up, and up and up and nearer to the hole the from the hole you can see more and more and more and more and when you come you are almost completely out you can see much more and when you completely come out and outside of the well or oh, now you can see the entire world so similarly from this material now in our position we cannot understand all these high feelings of devotees very exalted feelings and what is the spiritual world like and how it is and how the relationship we can't understand at this point but Prabhupada said, you follow the regulative principles strongly, eventually you will understand everything. You don't have to extraneously try. It's like you hold on to the rope, eventually you will understand everything. You will see the whole thing, whole picture. So like that, now we have a slight glimpse of what is, where is the goal, where we need to go. We at least understand that now. Now we have to hold on to the instructions tightly and go up there and then actually see for ourselves. So, as we advance more and more and more, this will be revealed more and more. So, as for now, we just chant it and understand it. Okay, this is the level. I am not nowhere close. But, I just have to follow the instructions of the spiritual master dutifully. This is how we have to uh, understand this. Because sometimes, actually, if we don't understand what is the real um, level at which we have to be, then we also don't know where, where, okay, I am advancing in the spiritual life, but where is the goal? So, these words of these Acharyas, they help us to understand what is actually the level that one has to reach. So, they, we are constantly reminded, oh, don't think they are a big time devotee, you are very, very far to go. So, keep on going. So, that is one. So, next, uh, I think, uh, who asked me? Uh, Vimal Prabhu asked me on WhatsApp, but I do not know. No, Vinayagar. No, no. <laughs> Kuntima is saying the name of Ganesh is Vinayagar. No, there is a... Uh, uh, this doesn't come to my mind. Vinayaka? No, Vinayaka. No. There is another name of... Um, Ganesh in the spiritual world. Uh, why? Why does it does? Why does it not come? Matta Smritir Apohanamcha. Krishna just made me forget like that. Hmm. 
ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಗಣೇಶ್ just can't get it is somewhere there just 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 at the memory but it's not coming okay anyway yes thanking thanks for making the narration so engaging and linking the past time with the relevant scriptural injunctions where did this past time take place this took place on earth yes they will also yeah this is nithilila so they will be happening in other universes as well so tulasi is there in all universes vishwapu vishwapujita vishwapavani out of curiosity one doubt all these pastimes exactly happen same in universes or dif- or different different including all demigods architecture etc there may be some slight differences but there is brahma that, like here the brahma is four heads another universe other other universes have 10 heads 10 20 heads 100 heads million heads trillion heads brahmas so the details may be different the the size of the universe also is much much dif- bigger according to the number of brahmas heads so some details may be different but overall it's the same thing uh, mainly tulsi aarti meaning also prabhu if possible we have already read the meaning of tulsi aarti lord krishna himself performed and the eight names of tulsi are there ah vishwaksena is that the name yes is that the name vishwaksena yeah 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 vishwaksena correct thanks subala prabhu vishwaksena is the name that ganesh name in the spiritual world spiritual ganesh finally i got <laughs> okay then um, tulsi poojana there is from vrindavan khanda canto 2 chapter garga samhita chapter 16 there is some then um, what else divide into small parts is it okay to offer tulsi leaf divided in small parts for the food if no tulsi leaves are available uh, yeah it's all right there is but as far as possible you can offer the whole leaf that is the best then um, okay, these are all the glories what is this all these questions following is a portion of a letter sent by shri prabhupad dated oh vishnu prabhu has quoted one letter of prabhupad which answers some important questions regarding the identity of tulasi so question 1 is each tulasi a separate jiva soul or expansion of one pure devotee answer by prabhupad tulasi is one devotee who appears wherever there is devotion to krishna so it is all not different different souls in tulasi plant it is just one where does her spirit soul go when she leaves this body tulasi's body is spiritual may we place jewelry in her soil or just moonstones yes jewelry is all right when tulasi is being cared for by householders in their home must two aartis still be offered answer if possible when tulasi is being cared for by householders in their home may they use her leaves and manjaris on her home offerings or should they take them to the temple tulasi leaves should be offered to the deity so of course in deity in your home or you know in krishna's picture at home is also is also okay but the deity when tulasi is being offered aarti by householders must the must she have must she have a ghee lamp if possible answer um, answer is if possible seven is it offensive to turn the baby's tulasi uh, baby tulasi's back into the soil mm. when they appear mm, it is yeah, it is offensive to 
turn the baby thyrsis back into the soil when they appear. I don't understand exactly what that means. There are even questions concerning Tulusi Arthis where we have always offered her incense, ghee, lamp and flower. Is this correct? Answer yes. In the manual it states that Tulusi should not be pruned. Does this also mean trimming the branches which no longer have leaves or life fluids flowing through them? Answer. You may cut dead branches but what is the necessity? We were told you once spoke to four regular spoke to four regulative principles of Tulsi care which will keep her from getting sick. A. Keep her moist. B. Keep her clean. C. Give her morning sunlight at least. And D. Give her two arathrikas a day. Is this bona fide? Answer. I never said that. <laughs> May Tulsi be made into a tea after she has been offered? No. Uh, you see. May devotees carve Tulusi wood for deity paraphernalia? Yes, only once she has left her body. When Tulusi leaves her body and the body is too soft for carving beads, how should she be used? Should a small fire sacrifice be performed? Answer, use the wood for beads as far as possible. The balance may be placed within the earth. It is also accepted that one can take dead Tulusi and put it in the local river. Hmm. We have a letter from you requesting that no sprays be used on Tulsi Devi. May we use a spray of buttermilk, whole wheat flour uh, resolved in water which coats her leaves to keep spider mites from causing Tulsi to leave her body? Answer, I said no chemical sprays. Does Tulsi sleep? Should she be left undisturbed after nightfall? Undisturbed means what? Is it permissible, permissible to use scissors to cut her manjaris and when trans? and when transplanting to use the knives to loosen her from the port answer use common sense and if you have none then consult with others <laughs> that's hilarious mm. is it an offense to step on her across her shadow or shadow of any pure devotee so anyway there are oh, one more question mm. for two years we have been waiting permission to use the following two prayers plus translations and translation of the already existing prayers are these bona fide don't try to introduce something new the most important thing is love and devotion so anyway uh, it's all mentioned where is Sundar Gopal Prabhu he is in the, here in the Singapore hmm. yes that is the verse um Okay, so this is uh, Vimal Prabhu's question. We understand that Goloka is a place of bliss, happiness and service for Radha Krishna. How come desire against uh, Tulasi and Tulasi against Krishna? Not against, um, for Krishna or against Krishna anyway. Is it because of their independence? Since they desired something which is not their constitutional position in Goloka Vrindavan, they had to take a mortal form and undergo severe austerity. Is this somewhat similar or lower? or lower reasons envy of Krishna's position lording it over we have fallen since Radha and Krishna are prime uh, let's see if the comment comes well here okay that is very big but actually the comment is big so since Radha and Krishna are prime enjoys in Goloka Sudama had to come down to satisfy his desire since he cannot consort with Tulsi in Goloka so 
Um, Tulsi's relationship with Krishna is nothing wrong. Um, it is it is supposed to be like that. All the gopis they enjoy with Krishna in Krishna in Golok Vrindavan. But uh, Sudama had a desire for Tulsi. So in the spiritual world, one thing is to be understood: the Lord Krishna or Lord Vishnu is the only enjoyer, nobody else. So if anybody wants to enjoy the gopis, actually Tulsi is meant for Krishna's enjoyment. But Sudama wanted to enjoy her. So therefore, although it looked like he was cursed by Radharani. He was um, actually he was sent here because of that reason, because he wanted to enjoy with Tulsi. So here he spent one manmantra. One only half a moment he was missing from the spiritual world. So even our lives, although we have been here trillions and trillions and trillions of years, in the in the Vaikuntha world, maybe it's just few minutes or few seconds or something like that. So we have been here for very very long though. But in our case, you know, we are not in a part of any pastimes of Krishna. We are just, you know, like rotting here. But in this case, it's Krishna's pastimes for his own, uh, you know, for purifying the whole universe with uh, Tulasi. So that was the whole, he engineered this whole thing. Why even Sudama had to have that desire towards Tulasi. And after coming here, became Shankachura and such a horrible war happened and everything, such massive scale, all for just introducing Tulasi leaf to us. So this is the Lord's pastime. So, so they are all cooperating with the pastime. He is one of the eight, you know, principal cowherd boyfriends of Krishna. How you know his Nityasiddha is Krishna's partial expansion. So he can actually never fall, but you know this is this is made to for his. But at the same time, although it is a pastime, Leela, it is also there as a res- lesson for us. Just like Jay and Vijay, they are always doorkeepers of uh, Vaikuntha, but they fell here. And they were known as demons, but actually they were always devotees because Krishna will never deal with anybody else than devotees. Even if they have to be demons, they will be devotees disguised as demons. So, but at the same time, we have lessons to learn how we should not behave like Hiranyakashipu or Ravana or like that. So, he does two things at the same time. Even Ram, he was supreme personality of Godhead. His feelings of separation with Sita are completely spiritual. They are not on the material platform at all. But... He is also showing the other side, the material side, that if you are too attached to your wife, your life will be miserable. So, he wanted to show that as well, the material side of it. So, we learned lessons from there. So, he does many things in one pastime. Tulasi dalamatrena jalasa chulukenava. This is another verse I was actually looking for. This is in the purport of the 536 purport. So, Tulasi, um, nice uh, verse here. Tulasi Jalamatrena Jalasya Chulukenava Vikrinite Swamatmanam Bhakte Bhyo Bhaktavatsala. Shri Krishna, who is very affectionate toward his devotee, sells himself to a devotee who offers merely a tulasi leaf and a palmful of water. There was a nice incident in uh, Dwarka where there was a competition between Rukmini and Satyabhama. And um, so, who loves Krishna more? So, Satyabhama put all her, you know, there was a scale, you know, like a weighing scale. And whoever has more wealth, Krishna said, uh, that person is more dear to me. So, this uh, Satyabhama put all the gold and everything, 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 all whatever she has, all the opulence she put on one one of the scales. Whereas Rukmini was, uh, Satyabhama is always very argumentative and very, you know, short-tempered. <laughs> 
So, but Rukmini was very devoted and she with great devotion, she worshipped the Tulasi Maharani and placed one leaf on the other side. Whereas this side was gold and innumerable riches, you know, Dwarka, you know, spiritual world already. So, innumerable riches on this side and on this side uh, was one Tulasi leaf and it was like this, the gold all was here. And when the Tulsi leaf was kept here and it completely turned the other way. So, one Tulsi leaf is more dear to Krishna. Means the whole weight of devoted, I mean, Tulsi leaf offered with devotion to Krishna is more than, you know, all these things that we can offer to Krishna. So, when he said Patram Pushpam Phalam Toyam, he actually especially meant the Tulsi Patram, Tulsi leaf. So, these are... palmful of water if we offer to Tulsi, you know in the morning we just offer one three spoons of water that makes us very dear to Krishna by the mercy of Tulsi. I hope we have answered, is it possible to serve Tulsi's Tulsi's sat, I don't know what is Tulsi's sat, is it possible to offer, serve Tulsi sat in case Tulsi leaves are not available for offering. What is sat? I don't understand. What is her actual name of Tulusi in Goloka before she came down to Bharatvarsha? Her name was Tulusi also in the spiritual world. Mm. Okay, I think uh, probably that's the end of... Okay, there is some measurements here. Uh, where are the measurements? Where are the measurements? Uh, 1 meter to cubits. 1 meter is 2.18 cubits. It's like 14,000 cubits. I mean 7,000 meters. 7 kilometers long. Wow. The trident was 7 kilometers. Wow. Amazing. Mm. What else? Hundred cubits over here, and some gave a whole <laughs> numbering. So, oh, five, six, three. You are full in every respect. You are certainly very satisfied when your devotees offer you prayers with faltering voices and in ecstasy, bring you tulsi leaves, water, twigs, bearing new leaves and newly grown grass. This surely be, makes you satisfied. So, yeah. So there are so many nice quotations like that. Alright, with that we will conclude the session. Thank you all for joining with us and uh, sorry it has extended beyond the time. In fact, the recap itself was so long, I did not realize, 45 minutes. I thought I was just going to be good for 15 minutes maybe maximum. Alright, anyway, thank you very much. Jai Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai Hare Krishna Jai Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai Nitai Gaur Primanandi Hari Hari Bo.